I hate the fact that it's cool to be black these days. Good. I hate this hip-hop fucking influence on white fucking suburbia. Good. And I hate Tabitha Soren and all her Zionist MTV fucking pigs telling us we should get along. Save the rhetorical bullshit, Hillary Rodham Clinton, because it ain't gonna fucking happen. Open our eyes. Every night, thousands of these parasites stream across the border. Over two million illegal immigrants bedding down in this state tonight. million dollars just to lock up a bunch of illegal immigrants, criminals. There's nothing funny going on here. This is about your life and mine. Statue of Liberty, it says, give me your tired, you're hungry, you're poor. Well, it's Americans who are tired and hungry and poor. And I say until you take care of that, close the fucking book. going on and I don't see anybody doing anything about it and it fucking pisses me off this isn't our fucking neighborhood it's a battlefield
Good evening, everyone. Thank you all very much for tuning in to the final Friday episode. Uh, this is going to be the final show on Fridays, guys. So thank you all very much for tuning in. Joining us tonight, joining Akila and I tonight is a very special guest, uh, a very solid dude, someone I've met, a great fucking guy, Mr. Jack McCracken, author of Living the Dream. How are you, brother? Hey, brother. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Just uh, just put the baby down for, for sleep, and uh, I'm just ready to shoot the shit. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one, man. We're super stoked to have you. And joining me, as always, guys, is Brother Akila. How are you, Boba? Couldn't be better. Racial greetings, John. Racial greetings to Jack and the chat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's say what's it's up. looking good tonight. It is already. We already got a, a pretty big crowd uh, conjured up here. Let's see who we got here. Prussian Blue, what's up, family? Mario, R, Texas, Crow Kraut, what's up, family? How are y'all doing? Rock, Drop, Coley Striker, Pistol, Thugger, what's up, family? How are y'all doing? Macro, R, Texas, uh, Chef. Gaines, what's up, brother? How you guys doing, family? What's up, guys? Thank you all for being here. Uh, all roads lead me here. What's up, family? McLeafin, good to see you, buddy. I hope all's well with you. It's been a while. Good to see you around. Uh, Carbon Fiber, what's up, brother? Uh, Callahan, Besot, what's up, Bubba? How are you guys doing? Vivek? Uh, who else we got here? Mario, Drop. Bounded by God, what's up, family? How are y'all doing? Shing, how are y'all doing over there on Shing? F-U-J-Q, Dival, uh, Legion Rising, Ninja Nyko, Trey Xanthian, what's up, family? How are y'all doing? Thank you all for being here. If I missed anybody, I can't ever tell where the chats separate there unless Andel Shanter separates them for me. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> if I missed you, I'm sorry. I just can't tell if you're here. What's up, Shing? How's everyone doing tonight? <clears throat> yeah. Uh... Oh, real quick, before we get too far into it, I want to get these out of the way, too. Uh, Thug of the Goat, thank you very much. He says, Jack sounds soft-spoken for how much of a giant he is. Met you at NJP. God bless. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is a, a an imposing fellow, huh? But, a, but an awesome dude, man. He's a very awesome dude. Uh, Thugger again says, was delivering to a prison and 100% African CO in thick African accent was trying to convince me to apply as a CO he mentioned a 10K sign-on bonus and a bunch of other benefits. Luckily, I, I read Living the Dream and didn't give it a second thought. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Good, good. I'm, I'm glad I helped somebody uh, uh, correct course there. That's good. Great book, man. It made me laugh, and that's why I wanted to talk to you so bad about it, man, because it made me laugh because, me, I've been on the other side of it, and I've seen a lot of – I've seen all that shit that you were talking about, and it just makes you chuckle and kind of shake your head looking back at it because it's – it's one of those things, I guess it's probably a lot like being in war, right? Where when you're reading something like that and, and, it, and it triggers that memory and you can almost like smell the air from when you were there. You know what I mean? It like brings back the whole like uh, the sensations yeah, of being there, right? Does that make sense? It, no, it does. It does. I'm not going to say I have like PTSD or anything like that, but there's definitely some times where I get like flashbacks of, <laughs> of being on the unit. You know, like if I smell certain smells... I'm like, oh man, I'm on the block again. Like if I smell ramen noodles, it's like, <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going? You know, it's it's crazy how it works. <laughs> yeah, like, no, no shit. Uh, Thug of the goat again. He says, "Hail Fastcroft and Hail McCracken." Thank you very much, brother. We appreciate you. And Crow Crack, Crow Kraut said, "Can't say I'd rather listen to a better show." If anyone hasn't yet, buy Jack's book. It's an excellent read. Fashion Jack, let's go. Thank you very much, Crow Kraut. Thank you. I greatly appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, uh, it is a great fucking book, man. It really is. 
Uh, but I'll tell you one thing that I did not know when I when I first like at the very beginning of the book was something I never knew about COs is that they uh there's a boot camp for you guys. I never knew that they had such like a military structure for COs. I wonder if that's nationwide or if that's just up there. Do you know if that's a nationwide thing or is that just up there where you're at? I I think like a lot of you know jail jurisdictions and departments and stuff across the country. I think they're all different. I know New York State has an academy so we do have like a like a little boot camp thing but it's really it's not like the military you know it's a lot more laid back you do have to shine your shoes and do push-ups and stuff like that but it's it's pretty it's pretty relaxed compared to like say i don't know the marines or something um but since i wrote that book and since i've been in the academy experience in new york state's degraded so much that it's not even really the same thing anymore um, and it was, it was easy back then. It's even easier now. Uh, now, if you want to be a CEO in New York state, you don't need to take a test. Um, and I think they did that for, for equity reasons. So <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you just come on in. Um, and I heard rumors from multiple people that I know that are still in the system that the Academy now, it, all the physical training, all the PT is all optional. So you could just choose not to do it if you don't want to. So oh, the bar yeah, the bar is very, very low. <laughs> yeah, and, that retards welcome, man. Oh, no, dude, and that is, that's, that's, shit like that is replete throughout the country, right? Everything from education to the correctional system. Uh, we just did a video, what, last night? Shit, I forget we did these, do these shows back to back. Last night we were just doing the video where they were openly saying one of the people who helped, one of the guys who helped design Common Core Mathematics, the Common Core Mathematics system, Literally said he did it because non-whites were too stupid to understand normal math, and they had to uh, make a new system that made up for white privilege, right? So they were literally admitting that they 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 created this system to dumb down mathematics and confuse white kids that have been learning math the same way wow. for the past God knows how long, right? In order to to appease minorities, um, and then like in the trades, right? As an electrician. As, or, you know, just, you know, for an example, as non-white people have entered the trades, the journeyman uh, requirements have gone down, right? So back in like the 90s, uh, at least in Oklahoma, it's not all I can really speak for is Oklahoma. Back in like the 90s, and I think even the early 2000s in Oklahoma, they used to have what they called a skills test portion of the journeyman exam where you would have to go into a shop, you would have to bend conduit, you would have to wire up some motors, uh, start stop stations, you know, and show, uh, you know, a transformer, uh, you know, simple receptacle switches, three-way switches, four-way switches, uh, pressure switches, shit like that, right? Just to show that you knew what you were doing, right? Uh, but because as more non-whites entered the field, uh, the, the fail rate shot through the roof, they had to remove that, that portion, right? And now they have even dialed in. They have they have dumbed down the journeyman test so far that you don't even have to do the load calculations on it anymore, right? They have set the bar, the, the, the passing score so low and made the test so vast that now you don't even have to pass the, the, the calculations, which are important, dude, right? Those load calculations and like uh, conduit field calculations and shit like that, those are important things to know. And now... People are just going in and they're taking these classes. They uh, they 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 uh, sell these classes, 
right? And, and as soon as you get ready for your journeyman uh, test, as soon as you have enough hours for your journeyman test, the construction industry board starts sending, they put your name on this list and you start getting all these messages for these journeyman exams uh, or these journeyman cla exam classes, you know, that are coming up, you know, in the coming months. And you go and you take these classes and they don't teach you anything about electricity. They just coach you to the test, right? You take like practice exam after practice exam after practice, practice exam until you basically have memorized all of the fucking, you know, possible questions that could be there or at least enough to pass, right? And you don't even ever have to touch the calculations, man. So now they're releasing a bunch of like Mexican and, and Negro electricians into the field who don't even know how to keep from damaging the integrity of their of their uh, insulation on their circuits, right? Because that's what a lot of those fill calculations are for, like, you know, uh, box fill and conduit fill. Those are to keep heat down so you don't degrade the integrity of the insulation of your of your conductors, right? Now, right. like, shit's just going to be fucking a wreck. It's going to be fucking horrible. In, in 10 years, I, I'm, I, I can't wait to see what this shit becomes. That's that definitely sounds dangerous. Like that's yeah. a critical piece of infrastructure, and to apply that that kind of you know common core esque you know laissez faire approach to the education of future electricians definitely seems like something that the system should not be facilitating. But may, who knows? Maybe that's maybe that's they really don't, maybe they don't care. It's across across the board. It's a race to the bottom. You know the the same ideology that allows a, 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 an article to come out a, a, about fascist fitness, saying that uh, exercises for Nazis, right? They just don't want you striving for anything, right? They, 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 anything that's higher minded is 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 taboo, right? If you're a fucking communist, right? Any processes, anything that's a anything that's consistent creates a consistent outcome. Right. You know, they, they don't want to build. They want to spiral things down as much as possible. And it's a, it's a tactic. It's a symptom of like I was talking about anarcho tyranny before we came on, made a joke. But it's a it's a symptom of the system. Right. To have things function only well enough for the whole thing not to totally fall apart and know better. Right. Don't strive. And, and maybe if it falls apart, that's fine, too. You know, it's 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 an ugly thing to watch happen. Because it, it is ugly, ultimately. It's, it spits in the face of aesthetics and anything that's beautiful and, and, and anything Western or European, for sure. Yeah, and, the, and going back to the, the CO stuff, too. I mean, not only are they dropping the standards to essentially nothing, right? So now you have just, like, fat retards. You have, you know, uh, foreign immigrants. you got guys from – I mean, even when I was going in, when the standards were higher, they were – offering jobs um to to be a corrections officer to like people from like the virgin islands and stuff so you yeah. just had like these really low iq <laughs> like blacks come in there for the job and it was it was a, a danger to everybody around you um if they graduated because now all of a sudden you got to rely on them for your safety and it's just it's just not good well now what they're doing in new york state and i was uh forwarded this by somebody i don't know if i can share something with you in the chat but i put a link there Okay. But this is a memo that went out to retired corrections officers. Um, they're so desperate for, for bodies, for warm bodies to come into the jail and work these posts that they're actually uh, Kathy Hochul, the New York state, the governor there. She, she started this initiative where she's rehiring retired corrections officers to come back in and work part time 
for for essentially a slave wage. Um, <laughs> and the only difference between, you know, a normal CO and this kind of like, you know, half retired CO is that if you if you sign back up, yeah, you're making less pay, but you know, you, you get uh, like first pick when it comes to where you work, when you work, you can take any day off you want, essentially. So it does come with perks. Uh, but essentially, you know, what they're doing is they're bringing in these old people. These people are like next to death's door. Like if you retire in corrections to do 25 years, you probably don't have a lot of time left on this earth anyway. But they want to bring these people back in to fight like feral blacks. Yeah, and no. Drag them out of cells and stuff. These people are going to die. Yeah. You know? Can I share? Do you want me to keep this? Can I share this on the screen, or is no? Yeah, yeah no, that that's fine. Okay. That screenshot is taken from Facebook. I don't know that guy in there. Okay, that was, okay. It's taken from somebody else. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't want to be when, the retard uh, that throws something up on screen, and you're like, "Bro, <laughs> what the no, fuck?" <laughs> yeah. No, one of my guys doing that, but that's not the guy's name on there. I think that was I don't know wherever he took it. Yeah, and dude, when Rundo, no, go sorry. ahead, go ahead, Akila. I'll keep it in when, my mind. I know what I want to say. Oh, I'm, I know, I'm having a big derail here. Go, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was about to derail hard. So Rendo was on, and um, he was talking about how, I think it was Rikers he was in, and there was literally only black people. He was the only white guy in there, including the guards. And they, like, you know, part of the of the issue with um, having such easy access to BCO is that you got people bringing shit into prison for these gang members, basically gangs running to prison, old gang members actually coming in as COs, stuff right. like that. Women. Women are women. the worst, dude. Women mm -hmm. should not be allowed to work in prisons, dude. That was the worst shit I saw. Women get in there and they get into full-on relationships with these gangbangers and shit, and it becomes a fucking disaster. But before we get too far into that, speaking of old people, I was in a minimum security uh, on a minimum security yard in, in Oklahoma, and uh, there was a bunch of fights and shit, and like you know scuffles, and you know it's a place with a bunch of fucking men that are locked together. There's going to be fights and shit. There was, but there was only one. Or two, actually, two episodes of like, uh, you know, I don't know, extreme violence. The entire time I was there, I was in for 26 months. And one was because an old ass man, I mean, this, these dudes had problems. And this old ass man was on shift and everybody was going to chow. And while we're all walking to chow, this old ass man is walking way, the, I mean, probably a half a block back behind the crowd. And this Indian guy runs up and fucking stabs another Indian guy in the jaw. Just one time hits him right in the fucking side of the face with a, a nail, a big ass nail he had gotten a hold of. Ooh. And that old ass fucking guard, man, I'm not shitting you guys. That old ass guard just fucking, we were walking. And the way our, the yard was set up is the, the chow hall was all the way at the end. There, all the way at the end was the chow hall the commissary booth and like the main guard check, right? It was all the way at the end. And the other thing was, it was like, was a long corridor down the other way. Right. Uh, and on the way up there, you know, you've got big blocks, right? There's a unit, B unit, C unit, you know, on, on and on and on. And as we're walking up, he just turns as he sees that shit go on. He just turns and walks right into fucking B unit. Acted like he never fucking saw it because he didn't want no fucking part of that shit. You know yeah. what I mean? He was fucking 85 years old, dude. Yeah. He saw that shit happen. And he took a hard fucking right turn and walked right into that fucking unit, man. It was fucking shocking, what? hilarious, and sad, <laughs> and, like, terrifying all at the same time, right? It was all of those things, like, instantaneously. You know what I mean? Well, one of the things that, uh, like, jail prison administrators do with, with really old... They shouldn't have these guys in there, unfortunately, right? They're too, they're too old. Yeah. You well, know, uh, the, two, we're too Hold compromised. On. We're females. Oh, sorry. No, I was yeah, talking so to Akilah. Go ahead, Jack. Oh, all right. Yeah. So I stopped getting Jack's audio. 
Sorry. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. For some reason, he can't. Uh, Akila, right. go in and come back out. See if that fixes yeah. it. Yeah. Go so, ahead, Jack. Yeah. So basically, what some of these jail administrators do, uh, they kind of have a way where they can move guys around to safe spots, uh, so they don't get in the way of, uh, you know, they don't get into harm's way. I've seen that happen a lot with like older guys or like women will get like really easy posts. So that way they're not threatened uh, by, by violence in case it happens. You know, they'll put a lot of the younger uh, men in positions in like posts in the jail where it's going to be a higher, higher risk of violence happening. Um, But sometimes the old guys, they don't care. Like they're, they're totally willing to just like be on the front line, even though they're like 85 and have bad back. You know, they, they don't care. And and you can't you can't deny them that right, you know, because it's it's like a, a civil right for, for you to, you know, have a workplace um, like post. So they can't do anything about it if they protest. Uh, but but a lot of times they, they will try to keep people out of harm's way if they can if they can do it. Um, and then like Aquila was saying with Rikers, that's a whole different animal like that. That that bit place is pretty much Africa. It's it's bad. It's real bad. Um, I actually did an article back when I was doing stuff for the hyphen report. It was basically just a rundown of, of like story after story of things that are currently happening in Rikers in the, in, in 2022. And the kind of stuff is crazy. Like they, they have such uh, staff shortages there that at one point the inmates just took over the block because they didn't have any COs showing up for work for like weeks at a time. And the inmates were writing in the logbook. Just like, hey, still no CO here, so we're just gonna like hang out till the CO comes. And they weren't even really doing anything crazy; they were just waiting for security to like come do stuff for them. It was nuts. <laughs> yeah, bring them toilet paper and shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and they have a picture of. I'm actually looking at a picture of it now, of the logbook. The inmates would just fill out the the guards' logbook for them because there was nobody there, and they're complaining about. Look what the stuff they're complaining about. They're complaining about no zero two thirty. No clothes, uh, no TV or PS4 remotes. So I guess in Rikers, they have PS4. Still no cheese, still no Doritos, still no Hot Pots. So, <laughs> <laughs> he's writing about stuff that he's writing about not having the kind of amenities that they would get if they had a guard on the unit. So if that place was fully staffed, they would have PS4, they'd have Doritos, they'd have cheese, they'd have like all this like free stuff. So it, it blows the mind. No, and people don't realize how well these fucking gangbangers and, uh, you know, of all races, right? These gangbangers, these these big time drug dealers, how well they live inside prison, right? These people have, and it's once again, it's mostly women. Women are the scourge, in my opinion, from, from the inside looking out, I guess I should say. Women are the scourge of the correctional system. They really are. Because not even the ones that work in the prisons, which is a, which is a fucking disaster in and of itself, but almost every inmate in prison that has drugs coming in, that has a bunch of money on his books, that is doing, you know, uh, you know uh, what they would like, what you would call shot caller shit or whatever, in a mm. penitentiary is backed by a woman, right? He's got some fucking front hole out there funneling all of this money, organizing his drug drops, making all of his calls for him. Almost 100% of the time, there is a woman at the, at the root of that doing that shit for him. Yeah, I'd have to agree. 
Um, I mean, I'm not really sure the, the inmate side of things, but I, I used to work the, um, the visit room on the weekends sometimes. And the women that would come in there to see inmates were, they were always up to no good. They were always mm-hmm. trying to smuggle stuff in. Yep. They would put like little packets of drugs and stuff in their mouth. So then, then we, that way, when they go to kiss, they would they kind of trade it off. The inmate would swallow it. And then at that point, you can, you can pat frisk them all day long. You're not going to see anything. Yep. Um, and it's, it's already in now, if, if the bag breaks after he eats it and he has an overdose, that's one thing. Then, then you, you got him essentially dead to rights. But, um, yeah, other than that, it's, it's super easy. They also have a, um, uh, they have two toilets in a, in a visit room. And, and again, this is, this is going to change depending on what prison you're at, but, uh, they'll have a, a bathroom for civilian visitors and they'll have a bathroom for inmates to use. So it keeps them separate. But sometimes the visitors coming to see inmates, they they know each other and the inmates getting visits, they know each other too. So you'll have like one sneak drugs in, they'll go to the bathroom, they'll leave the drugs in the bathroom. The other one will go into the bathroom, get it, put it in their mouth or hide it somewhere. Then they'll go sit back down and talk to the other inmate. And like, there's just trading off going on all the time. And, you know, you can't have a camera or have a CO in the bathroom. So you, you just don't know these things. And so visits are a huge way uh, of moving contraband and stuff in. And, and, yeah, women are usually the orchestrators behind all that or at least getting used by inmates to orchestrate the, the trade-offs. Yeah, see, that's something I've always wondered because, <clears throat> like I said, I never uh, I never stepped foot on uh, a, a medium or, or maximum security prison. I drove by them <laughs> on uh, Central Transport. But I never stepped foot. I went, uh, you know, I just had real petty drug charges, man. It wasn't nothing major, and uh, for for ecstasy, I think I already told you that. Everybody right. else knows, but um, uh, so I drove past. Like we have some very intimidating uh prisons. Like that was one of the funniest parts in your book to me when you were talking about them being like scabs on these beautiful landscapes. Uh, yeah, the McAllister and uh granite prisons in oklahoma give you that exact feeling you were talking about that feeling of absolute fucking dread just pulling up to the gate of them you're like oh fuck i don't want anything to do with that that was i mean i knew i wasn't going to either one of those and that was almost as sobering for me as actually being in prison because it was a super fucking earth-shattering experience for me being in prison i was like oh fuck all of this dude this i mean for the kind of guy i am that's the worst thing you can do to me right is lock me in a place like that with a bunch of scumbags right surrounding me all the time because it really it was a shock to my system like i said before i remember very specifically sitting there and looking around at the shady goings on it was just before like so in the minimum security prisons in oklahoma Every two hours, you have to lock down for count, right? No matter what, every two hours, you're going in and they're going to walk the cells and then you're going to lock down for count. Uh, so it was at the very end of the night and we were about to lock down for the, for the, for the night. I think it was about going on uh, 9, 10 o'clock. And I'm just sitting there watching people scurry around, like taking their commissary across the yard to get their drugs for the night, right? And scurry back to the other side. And I was just sitting there like, holy shit, man. Now for the rest of my life, when people look at like, um, you know, at job, on job applications and, you know, and all of these different things, when they look at my criminal history, I am going to be lumped in with all of these fucking scumbags. And that right there was like the moment I was like, I can never come back here again. Right? I can never fucking come back to this place. But almost as, as jarring as that moment was pulling up to 
McAllister State Prison in Oklahoma and Granite uh, Correctional Facility in Oklahoma. Those are the medium yard or medium and maximum yards. Two of the worst medium and maximum yards. Granite's one of the worst mediums, and McAllister, I believe. No, it's not our only maximum. We also have a maximum in Holdenville. Anyway, it's a maximum yard, but it's just one of those big, hulking. I mean, it's got these giant fucking white walls with like ancient fucking razor wire around them that you can like see like dried meat on almost, right? I mean, not not, not literally, yeah. but you know what I mean, right? It's just they, it's got that look to it. You know what I mean? Well, I was curious. I actually looked it up right now. I'm looking at pictures at it. It does look pretty intimidating. It's got like the, it looks like a castle almost. It's yeah. kind of cool. It's like yeah. a fort. It's got like little parapets and stuff. It's pretty neat. Um, yeah. I was at, I, I mean, it's p- people know uh, at this point now where I work, but I worked at Chihuahua Correctional Facility um, for a majority of the time I was working as a garden and it was built in, uh, I think late eighties. So it looks pretty modern compared to some of the other prisons out there. Like if you compare it to Attica or Sing Sing, those were built like after the revolution, you know? Um, so th- those are a lot, those are a lot older and the infrastructure is a lot older. I don't know about Attica, but I know Sing Sing for sure. Um, but compared to, to those, Shawangunk was like space age. Um, and it was it was smaller, uh, so it was a supermax prison. It had all the defense and security that you would get out of a supermax, but it was kind of smaller, and it was built to kind of handle the most violent violent guys. Um, they had uh, CSU, which is close supervision unit, and that had like a lot of high profile dudes. It had a lot of guys where on paper they had the the worst crimes in the state. So you had a lot of like mobsters um gang bangers uh murderers we had um son of sam for a while and i oh nice son of sam all the time um you know not as a friend but i know what you're yeah, working. Yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so you know it, it it really depends so that being said there, there's really kind of two kinds of inmates um there's inmates that want to be that don't want to be locked in with like the, the crazy criminals and all that kind of stuff. And they'd much prefer to have like space, like in a minimum, like where you were at, but there's also inmates that prefer the heavy security because they can lock into a cell and have it all for themselves and not, and, and be physically separated from people and no one can get them. You know, there, there are kind of inmates where if you took them and you put them into a minimum security prison, um, they would, they would have like a anxiety attack because in a minimum security it's kind of like a dorm some some of them are like dorm scenarios yep. where dorm, yep. yeah you have no place to go and like lock in you know anyone can run up to you at any time and that freaks them out so you know it really depends on the on the inmate yeah no i i heard it all the time like the like so where i was at where i was at was actually fucking gorgeous i mean i know that sounds ridiculous but it was the the area i was in right i think the the place right. i was at used to be uh I, I think it used to be like an old, uh, like uh, some sort of boys camp or uh, maybe uh, boys juvie or some shit like that. Because like I said, it had these big blocks, but it was in the middle of this valley in southeastern Oklahoma. And I mean, deer in the morning would be out on the softball field and shit. I mean, it was just like fucking. And when it snowed, when we were there, like and I, when I was there in the winter and it snowed. Oh, my God. It was fucking like something out of a postcard. It was fucking gorgeous, man. It was amazing. Yeah. But I I seen that. I like so, you know, over the years, you know, you got these guys that have been in for 25, 30 years and they're finally stepping down in security, like working their way out. 
and almost across the board, they would all the hardened, like hardcore uh, criminals that you knew were going to come back as soon as they got out. Right. These kind of guys would right. all say they would rather be on a medium. Right. Because they could they could get away with more. They were used to the more hyper violent, the more political aspect of it. Right. Because, you know, the, the, the politics relax a little bit when you step down in in security. Right. So they got so used to that, that hardened, uh, fast paced uh, kind of Wild West kind of life that they don't do well in, in minimum security. Right. They would they would rather be in the medium, which sounds fucking insane to me. Yeah, I, it, it does happen. It's also like sometimes guys will do a whole bunch of time in a max, then get paroled or whatever, then get picked up again on a different charge, get sent back to jail. But now all of a sudden, because of classification, they're like now they're in a in a medium or or a minimum. And that's just like letting a lion into like a, a into like a pig pen you know it's just it's just chaos because he's like oh my god I, I, I just did 25 years in a maximum security prison now i have access to everybody and everybody's stuff like it's just the it's just violence and chaos waiting to happen but that that does happen all the time yeah and and speaking of those different yeah those different kind of prisoners and those different kind of people you mentioned in your book uh and i don't know if you were actually talking about it like this but you mentioned in the book that a lot of these guys live better uh in prison than they ever would in the street. Uh, there was a particular individual that I actually, he made, he made these, and this is something else I wanted to talk about that is, a, that is something sure. that is actually fascinating about prison. This guy made these little fucking houses, right? He made them out of like bossel wood. They had a wood shop on the, on the yard I was at for like a uh, maintenance, right? To fix shit around the yard. Uh, and he would get these little pieces of fucking scrap wood and bossel wood from the maintenance guys and he would make these little fucking houses out of like bossa wood and rolled up like newspaper and shit, like all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, and these things would have little fucking lights on them and they would have little fucking secret doors where people would stash shit in them. And that was like his little hustle on the yard, right? That's how he made his money, like one well, of the most above board way he made his money. Uh, but he and I, he was like two cells down from me and he and I would talk all the time. He was old as fuck. He had done federal time and, and just come back. Uh, he'd been in in and out of prison since he was a teenager, right? Or since he was old enough to go to prison, juvie and in prison. And he told me straight up one night, man, we were sitting out there talking and playing cards. And he told me straight up, he was like, you know, I, I live better in here than I ever did out in the street. He was like, in the street, I'm homeless. I never talk to my kids. You know what I mean? But in here, I actually have a somewhat comfortable life. And that is the mindset of a lot of these people, man. Uh, I actually, uh, after being in prison, I am actually uh, a much more, uh, I don't know how I really want to say this, I think prison should be harder and sentences should be longer. I think the majority of people that are repeat offenders have no business ever being allowed back into society. I think we should have a two strikes law. I think that also requires a lot of restructuring with prisons itself, right? With Because uh, I think trade schools uh, would really help a lot of these guys. But other than that, man, I think we should have a two strike law. Right. Um, if you go back one, you know, again, I think you should be going back for a long fucking time because there's a lot of like absolute refuse in that system, man. I I agree. I mean, it does need to be tougher, that's for sure. Um but but it's tough, right? Because say say tomorrow, 
um, things change in this country and there's a political upheaval and we come out on top and we control things for a long time. We're, we're still going to be jailing, you know, and having to, to, to warehouse like these black criminals in the same way that we did before that political evil that we, you know, before we took over. Um, so I think in the short term, you know, until things change demographically in the country, it, it is going to have to be harder um, in order to, to stop like the entitlement, in order to stop the recidivism, all those problems that, that happen now. But once things change demographically in decades, decades down the line and things are a lot whiter, um, I think at that point, then we have room to experiment with actually um, figuring out a way of, of how to correct criminal behavior better. Um, but I, I just don't think you can really correct behavior in the, in the current like order. I don't think it's possible. I don't, I don't think you can, you know, uh, t take a, a, a black gangbanger and like teach him how to be an upstanding citizen in jail. I just don't think it's ever going to happen, whether, no matter how hard it is or not. Uh, and that's, it's unfortunate, but it, but it is what it is. Um, so yes, in the meantime, things do need to be harder. We need to cut back and, and do what we can to make sure the recidivism stops. So we don't have repeat uh, offenders coming back in. And I think it does start in jail. Uh, I talk about it a little bit in my book. I think, I think jail and prison and the correctional system of a country is actually a lot more vital um, to the whole process of, of the structure than people realize. I, I think, I think people kind of sleep on it, but it, it does need to be, it does need to be there and it does need to be strong and it does need to act as a, as a deterrent to crime because without it, it crime's just going to increase and it's just going to fester and grow and, and nothing's ever going to stop it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the way it is now, I mean, it's literally like a vacation spa for these, for these people. Right. Especially when it comes to these black, uh, these black gangbangers and shit. When I was, when I was locked up, like to have a cell phone, um, was like a huge fucking deal. Right. And people, they were all over the place. Don't get me wrong. They were all over the fucking place. Uh, but like when they were being used, it was like a full on operation. Right. They had people on the top and bottom tier that were just in charge of looking in with what we call in what we called in Oklahoma jiggering out right uh watching for the co uh, the cops to come make their rounds or making sure a CO didn't come on to the unit because if they came on the unit at all or even walked toward the unit everybody scrambled to hide that fucking phone because there would only be one or two, two phones max per unit and that was how everybody was getting everything like done in there right um but now you look on TikTok and shit, and you got these fucking niggers walking around, like, shooting TikTok videos in the middle of the fucking dorm. Not even in their cells, like, people watching out and, like, trying to make sure they don't get busted and trying to keep it secret and having a stash spot for it. No, they're just, like, walking in the middle of the fucking dorm, shooting TikTok videos with their phone out. There'll be two of them doing TikTok videos together, each of them with a phone out, right? Recording each other with each other's phones. It's the craziest shit I've ever seen. Uh, so it seems like it's just gotten far more out of control since I was in there, but I was in there, you know, uh, over 10 years ago, man, you know what I mean? Or coming up on 10 years ago, I guess it should be 2014 is when I discharged. So, yeah, but it's gotten completely out of control. Like, uh, you know, the animals are completely in charge of the zoo now. Right. And that's another thing I, I like that you pointed out in your book. 
when it comes to the animals being in charge of the zoo, you point you talked about in your book the balance uh between in the relationship between a CO and an inmate, right? And the fact that a, a inconsistent CO can be one of the most chaotic things to enter a dorm, right? Um even uh, like you were saying in there, inmates even have more respect for a hard-nosed asshole CO than they do for those shifty fucking scumbags who will come in there and let them like, you know, the guy who will let them like smoke the the night guard who's shifty who will sometimes let them smoke in their rooms at night when they can't go out on the yard or you know let them get away yeah. with get let them get away with red lighting right that's what we call red lighting like being in each other's cells right because in Oklahoma they would have uh they had these little video games they were like really shitty little uh handheld video games that had like Pac-Man and Galaga style games on them that you could plug into the little TVs and, you know, some some of the officers, right, would sometimes let these guys red light and be in each other's rooms at night smoking and playing video games. And then other times they'd come in there and, and pull some bullshit like you talked about the old man with the mug, right? They'd come in there when their fucking right. wife didn't fuck them or whatever when they were having a bad day and book their ass for something silly, right? And that shit right there would drive people up the fucking wall. And everybody hated those fucking people, Right, and they had no respect, and they would be abused, right, on the on the dorm, and all kinds of shit, man. So I was, it was, it was funny to see that you guys realized it on your side of things, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, for for sure. I mean, they always taught like uh, firm, fair, consistent is how you should mm-hmm. treat inmates, but it, it's crazy how so fast all that stuff goes out a window the second you have like a new CEO who's never done his job before enter like a maximum security housing unit for the first time. It's just like, Oh my God, you know, it's, it's intimidating. Cause you got like, uh, in our jail was 64 guys to a block. So if you're just one CEO and you have to, to manage 64 hardened criminals, like it, it's very tempting to just say like, yeah, man, whatever you want, just like leave me alone so I can get out of here. When my, so my shift's over. You just don't know any better. Um, but inmates would, would prefer if you are going to be like a weak, just bitch and give it up and, and let all the inmates around you just have their way. They it, it, they would they would rather have you do that every day than say like one day you come in, you're intimidated. And the next day you come in and you decide, oh, man, that was a mistake. I should be a hard ass. And then the next day you come in, you're tired. And then all of a sudden you're weak again because you don't you don't care anymore. You got no energy. You know, they, they don't like that because because that means they don't know what to expect from you. And it just creates problems. So they would actually, if you weren't going to be a, 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 a bitch and you were going to be a hard ass, they would much rather you just be a hard ass. Yeah. Every single day. So they know what to expect. So if they are going to act up or do stupid crap, like walk around with cell phones and do like, I don't know, TikTok videos in the jail, they'll just wait till you're gone and then wait for the next CEO to start his shift and see if he, if he, they can get away um, with stuff on his watch instead. Yeah, and you know that's another thing that surprises me. Uh, Akila, are you still there, bro? I feel like we're running right over you. Are you still there, brother? You no, good? not at all, man. I'm okay. listening. I'm listening. Okay. Yeah, no. So I stepped on back way earlier, but I, I thought I was feeling uh, dead air. I don't know how I lost his audio, but no, not not important, man. You guys get going. It's awesome stuff. All right, brother. All right. Um, uh, one thing that uh, you know, kind of um, adding on to what we're talking here about consistency. One thing that kind of uh struck me as odd in your book is you were talking about kind of the disgusting uh, way inmates kept their cells. Uh, One thing that was uh, oddly surprising to me in prison 
was the inmates um need for like like we were talking about consistency with the with the COs was order, right? Um like to have a messy cell like if you, like if you went into like to have a like a, a messy cell you were, we were you were called a troll, right? It was it was frowned upon, right? Everything and, and for some reason and uh I was in three different facilities, four actually. Uh, if you count like the the work release center and stuff centers that I was at, uh, order and like cleanliness was was like of the utmost importance. Like if you went and took a shit in the bathroom and then like they had a drop one flush one rule, you like to got your ass kicked for stinking up the bathroom, uh, leaving toothpaste in the sink in the bathroom, um, having your fucking cell stinking, trash and shit everywhere. You would get your fucking ass beat if that shit went on for too long. People would tell you, like, hey, stop being a fucking troll, dude. Right? Uh, leaving uh, people leaving their uh, ramen noodle wrappers uh, on top of the microwave. Motherfuckers would almost fucking blow a gasket on them for that. Like, that was something I noticed. Maybe that's an Oklahoma thing. I don't know. But fucking cleanliness and order was of the utmost fucking, uh, was enforced to the fullest, I guess I should say. At least everywhere I was at, except for, like I said, when we stepped down in security uh, to the halfway houses, things got a little more lax. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was something that was kind of odd to me, man, because, like, you were talking about, uh, I guess that was a lie, though. The guy talking about there being a bunch of cigarette butts and shit, and, and you were talking about other parts of the dorm itself being filthy, and that shit would have never flown where I was at. So, yeah, for from my experience... You would expect like a bunch of like street blacks just to just be filthy and just have, you know, just garbage everywhere, you know, food wrappers, clothes on the floor. But in prison, at least in a, in a max that I was at, and I guess your experience too, it's just not the case. They're, they're actually very fastidious. And I mm -hmm. think maybe it's just them having all the time in the world to, and, and just nothing to do, but they take cleanliness very, very seriously. I've seen fights over, like the last, uh, they call them soap balls. They're like little um, plastic bags full of uh, like floor cleaner, you know, and like uh, antiseptic, like soap that they use to, to clean the areas. If there's like one left and a guy wants to use it for a cell and the other guy wants to use it too, there's been like, you know, arguments over, over that stuff. Like guys, they, they, they keep it seriously. Usually the ones who didn't keep it serious, like take cleanliness seriously in the cell or around them were guys who were like, legitimately mentally ill yeah crazy yep yeah yeah and then, <laughs> yeah and then and then that that was it but yeah you, you wouldn't think like hardened criminals would care about cleanliness but they they definitely do yeah they were either they were either crazy or, or slime balls right they, they so there's yeah. this certain there's this certain type of 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 worm that slithers through the correctional system uh in my in my uh experience He's the guy that is like going around and middlemanning drugs. He's a mule. He's abused by his respective car, right? Whatever race he may be, uh, he, he's he's treated as a mule and just a, a gopher and, and an errand boy. Um, and and he takes like uh, he takes that mantle with with pride almost, right? Those are the kind of only other guys I ever saw that were real trollish, right? That's what we called them. That's why it was really kind of. Uh, strange for me when i got into the political scene to see people like taking the title of troll with like pride right i was like whoa <laughs> that's yeah. kind of weird right because that's that came where i 
had just come from because it was it was weird this is actually a good uh segue into the section of your book where it talks about prison making you forcing you to become a race realist right because i come straight from like a hardcore like uh arguably communist uh, i mean i myself wasn't communist but looking back at it uh these circles that i were in were actual exercises in like communism and anarchism uh i was really involved in the uh electronic music scene uh art and music festival scene and uh also burning man scene right and anybody who knows anything about burning man is that it is actually uh well at its root now it's become more corporate and actually a lot of the original burning man hipsters hate it right but in its root in its essence it's an exercise in anarchy right uh that's that's what burning man is so i come straight out of that scene right there uh into the correctional system <clears throat> and you know not to beat a dead horse and talk about my fucking story and, and go on and on but you know from you know you know fifth sixth grade on into like the age 27 i was a hardcore wigger and i was involved in a lot of crime and fucked up drug dealing and shit like that uh and then i got into this music festival scene actually through you know selling drugs obviously with the ecstasy and stuff and then i like uh dove head first into that i started uh you know like i've talked about it before i co-owned or and, and managed a, an after hours club spun fire as a part of a fire performance troupe i got i dove head first into that scene and it actually kind of not to derail too much but it was kind of reminiscent of you talking about going from being in uh like a very multicultural high school in uh queens right was it queens right yeah queens, yeah, well, was, yeah. Technically, technically it was uh it was middle school Oh, okay. And then yeah, would, yeah, it was very. It was I. There was not a lot of white people in that school for sure. And then you moved out to another part where it was, you know, more white, right? And you talked about this like subconscious, like breath of fresh air that you let out, right? And I think that is actually why I dove so deep into the electronic music scene subconsciously, right? Because I was a brutal right. wigger, and I was a part of this very chaotic life, and then I entered this 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 scene <clears throat> that was. 99.999% white. I mean, it was very rare to see like maybe a Mexican or an Indian. You never saw a nigger, right? Never in the electronic music scene. That has changed now, I think. But this is back in 20, 2009, 2010, 2011, right? Uh, years ago. Um, so it was 100% white, uh, basically. Um, and I think uh, that was why I dove so deep into it was because I got that same subconscious breath of fresh air and the ability to like let my guard down, right? And not always have to have my head on a swivel and my chest puffed out. You know what I mean? I could actually be comfortable around these people. And it was a subconscious thing that happened. So I think that's why I dove, dove so far into it. But all that being said, um, when I went into prison, that's what I come out of, right? I wasn't racial at all, right? That was like the furthest fucking thing from my mind was race to, to any degree. Uh, but when you go into fucking prison, like you said, you are slapped in the face with the inevitable reality of race. I mean, even outside, even if you don't like, cause I didn't, right? Like I ate where I had, to, where I was supposed to eat, right? I dealt with who I was supposed to dealt with. I followed the politics, but I didn't like hang out with the UABs, right? So in Oklahoma, it's the Universal Aryan Brotherhood that is the big white gang here, right? I, I, like, I was cool with them, 
right? Like I played cards with them. I went to their store, right? Because that was where all the, there was their store and the wood store, right? So I'm sure, is it like that? In uh, and then in the up there in the northeast, do you have two different? Well, actually, we had like three separate white cars. So here in Oklahoma, you had the Universal Aryan Brotherhood, which were the hardcore right SS bolts, you know, uh, you know, prison Nazis, right, for lack of a right. better term. And then you had the Pecker Woods, which were guys who uh, were white. Uh, they did not shy away from their race, right? They protected their race. They looked out for the race. They were racially focused right but they weren't uh political like Nazis, like neo like prison nazis right they didn't go for that shit right but they still looked out for their own and didn't like break bread with niggers or anything weird right right and then there was like the irish mob juggalo types which were all fucking wiggers they all hated their own skin they all vehemently denounced like racism and shit on the art it was a wild thing to see there was a very few i mean there was like 10 of these guys that's pretty that I ever saw. Yeah, it was very weird. Uh, very weird. Uh, so that was like the three, uh, um, you know, racial cars that I saw throughout my time in the Oklahoma Correctional Facility. And it was really kind of weird because you didn't see that with any other race, right? Like their car was their car. Um, but one thing I did notice was that Blacks were the only ones that I saw that like allowed their homosexuals to eat with them. Oh, that's right. interesting. Yeah. 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 So in Oklahoma correctional facility or the system, uh, homosexuals are cast out. They, you're not allowed to smoke. Like if you're seen smoking a cigarette after a homosexual, no one will smoke a cigarette with you. Uh, they're not allowed to sit and eat with you at the, in the lunch, you know what I mean? In the chow hall. No. Uh, they're not allowed at the spread. Right, they're complete uh, outcast. But that wasn't the case with with blacks. Like their faggots would sit there at the end of the table, be it right, but they would be in the section with the Negroes, like all collectivized. But uh, you know, that was the thing. That was the only thing I noticed that was kind of strange to me. It was actually kind of a reflection of the country, right? It really was. You had uh, all of the races were completely uh, collectivized in solidarity with one another. Uh, except for the whites, right? There was like these three factions of the whites. See, there wasn't, like, once again, I wasn't in a uh, medium yard. So where I was at, like the Mexicans weren't separated by like Norteño and Sereno or MS-13 and, and Sereno and shit like that, right? They were all together. They were all together. They all came together. Crips and Bloods weren't separated by Crip and Blood in, in uh Oklahoma Correctional Facility. They were all together as a race, right? So they were right. they had that solidarity, but whites still had that kind of atomization, right? There was the hardcore like prison Hollywood prison Nazi, right? There was the Peckerwoods, which are kind of like the you know laid back, like yeah, we're white, we ain't fucking with you niggers, but we also aren't getting like SS bolts tattooed on our throat, kind of guys, right? Uh, and then there was the absolute race traders, right? So they still saw that atomization amongst white people even in the prison system. But getting back, I got went off on a long derail there. I'm sorry. Getting back no, to what I was fine. saying, um, the, the, the correctional system, I think no matter where you're at, forces you to stare down the cold, hard differences of uh, race. It, it definitely does. And, you know, I, I do want to say that before I became a CEO, I was kind of the same way. I was kind of, you know, liberal, you know, I, I wasn't really political, 
Um, but I was buying all the BS that I saw on TV and the movies and stuff. I'm like, you know, oh yeah, it's just one big happy family in this country. It's it's totally cool. Um, and then I became a CEO, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh my god, uh, like race does exist. Uh, this is like what I was experiencing back when I lived in the city, but like put under a freaking magnifying glass and you know given crack. Like this is just really really bad. Um, but unlike in Oklahoma, we barely had any white inmates at all. You know, I, I think there was maybe a handful. It was mostly blacks and Hispanics. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's it's almost all blacks and Hispanics. There were so few white people that they weren't even ever considered a threat. So blacks, from what I saw, uh, d- didn't seem to push up on them or do anything to them because they were just so insignificant in the jail. It's like, all right, whatever. It's just a white guy. You know, there was, there was nothing. So, um in, in my experience, uh, you had like um, you had you had black gangs, but it was mostly just the Bloods and all their different sets. And all the different sets have different little power struggles, and they all have a loose alliance with each other. But you know that drops that. You know how blacks are. Like someone will um, you know lose a bet, and all of a sudden you have a gang war. So it's just that's just how how it went. Uh, the, the Hispanics had their own little things. They had the Latin Kings was a big one. Uh, you had something called the Rat Hunters, uh, which is another Hispanic gang. And and I guess it, they're called Rat Hunters because when they were first formed, they would go after like rats and snitches and stuff and just kill them. So they're, they're pretty ruthless. And, and you know, all the Hispanic gangs had a loose affiliation. Um, then you had, you actually have in New York State, you have approved groups. So you have um, these are these are essentially state approved, quote unquote, you know, uh, gangs that, that you can join th- that are approved. But they're not really gangs. So it's you, more like, OK, you belong to the, the nation of gods and earths, which is like a black pseudo religion. It's kind of like a sovereign citizen thing. Um, you can be in the NOI, Nation of Islam, like that's an approved group. Um, but then what would happen is like you would join one of these approved groups and then they would just treat it like a gang. So if you were a new inmate coming in and you were like this black guy from someplace nobody knew and you needed protection, you would you would put a kufi on, you would join the NOI because now all of a sudden you have you have brothers. Um, and that's that's kind of how it happened there. There was a few white guys, but it, we had a lot of Italian mobsters. We had like maybe two or three high profile Italian Italian mobsters who were just like doing like 10 life sentences and they weren't going nowhere. So they were like uh, prison institutions like they've been there so long that it was just like oh hey hey you know mr mr fatelli like hey how you doing you know and then that that was about it yeah and going back to you saying like um they didn't really press uh the white guys a lot you know what i mean in the prisons because they weren't uh you know they weren't really uh, like a threat like that because there weren't enough of them you know i'll be honest man and and this could like once again uh I, i like to stress the fact that i was only in a minimum because the difference in the experience from what I have been told is fucking night and day between uh, minimum and medium security. And probably I'm sure that's probably uh, equally as true for medium to maximum. But um, in my experience, there wasn't a lot of uh, like unnecessary aggression, right? There wasn't a lot of people like, uh, you even mentioned this in your book. I only know of one like sexual assault. There wasn't like a bunch of rape. There wasn't a bunch of like uh, you know, you know, just like locking and you know, putting a lock in a sock and beating guys for no fucking reason. There wasn't a lot of 
you know, checking people or trying to press them. Most of the violence that I saw was from people hitting the yard that had snitched on people in the street and that becoming a problem and uh, debts, right? Rather it be from a card game or drugs or a fucking pack of Roman noodles or fucking dehydrated refried beans and something as absurd as that. Uh, That was where I saw most of the... Matter of fact, when I was on my way to pull chains, I had an old dude who was going to... He actually pulled... He was still there when I left. So for those who don't know, pulling chains is when they take you from here. They say that's when they take you from county and send you to prison. Uh, So before I pulled chains in county jail, I had an old timer that was going back on a meth charge. He was a really cool old dude. And he shot the shit with me when he found out what I was in there for. He told me I was thoroughly convinced, uh, when I went in that I would not go to prison. Right. I was like, dude, I've never been in fucking trouble. Right. I've never really been to like jail. Right. I had been like in a public intox and I had like one, uh, previous, uh, overnight, like, like eight hour stay for, um, possession of pot. Like I'd never been to jail. Right. So I'm thoroughly convinced I'm not going to jail. And this old timer's like, no, dude, you're fucking going to prison. <laughs> He's telling me that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to go to fucking prison. I ain't never even been in trouble. He's like, no, dude, you're gone. But he was a really cool dude. And he told me, right? He told me, he was like, if you want to get by in this thing, he was like, just do what you say you're going to do and don't ever borrow from anybody. Right? That's what he told me. He was yeah. like, just go in there, stick to your own, do what you say you're going to do and never borrow anything from anybody. And you'll no. be you'll be hard pressed to get into a jam, right? Almost every every problem I seen was because of that. And one of the most scummy things I seen, and I have to be honest here, I, I seen this more out of whites and Mexicans than I did anybody, uh, almost exclusively. Well, that's not true, but more than I did anybody is white guys. And it, this was always a fucking almost one hundred percent of the time. This was a a, a UAP thing. So the U- Universal Aryan Brotherhood always would approach the young white kids when they would get on the yard, right? And they would get these young white kids sometimes every now and again who would hit the yard and they wanted to be cool and they wanted to run with those guys and they were most likely tweakers on the street or heavy drug addicts on the street almost every time, guaranteed. And these guys would get them in there and because they wanted to get high, they would ask these kids if they had money coming. Right. And the kid be like, oh, yeah, you know, somebody, you know, my girl's going to put money on my books. I got money coming from this other facility, whatever their fucking story was. Right. And these motherfuckers would go out there and get these little motherfuckers, these new kids in debt for fucking dope or pills or even pot, whatever it might be. Uh, And then those kids money wouldn't hit when it was supposed to. And then they'd end up taking those fucking kids to court and beating the shit out of them. You know what I mean? So that was one of the scummiest things yeah. I did see in there, man. It was just a real unfortunate thing to see, man. That, that's, yeah, that, 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 I mean, when you're doing it under the veneer of like national socialism, that that's really what right. pisses me off. But, you know, prison changes you, you know, you're in there long enough and, you know, these lines start to blur, I guess, but I don't know. It, it it is what it is, but yes, the the guy who told you to just like avoid trouble, he he's one hundred percent correct. Like in my experience, violence was not just random. It no. didn't, didn't just appear out of thin air. It was usually, you know, for a reason. It's it's not unprovoked. So most of the violence was due, yeah, due to gambling. Inmates gamble on everything, chess, 
they'll gamble on like, you know, all right, how many people do you think are going to the yard today? Okay, 20? All right, well, I'll take that bet. I'll do I'll throw honey buns on it. You know, <laughs> yeah. they, they do that, they do that shit all the time. Um, and if you don't pay your debts, chances are you're gonna get, you know, attacked or something. Um, if there's any kind of snitching that that if you're running your mouth, you're probably gonna get hit. Um, but other than that, if you just refuse to partake in any of that nonsense, like if you're not a drug addict, if you if you don't, if you aren't desperate for like little Debbies, um, and you you like can't pay your debts or something like that, and you're just you're just a straight shooter, chances are you're gonna go like spend your entire uh prison stint and just never experience violence whatsoever. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent, man. I had very few problems. I actually had more altercations in county fucking jail than I did in uh in actual uh prison. But yeah, man, yeah. I, I I dude, I kept my head down. I, I just I played pinochle, man. <laughs> that was my thing. <laughs> yeah, I was always out there uh on, on the on the card table playing pinochle. And I never, uh, you know, I, I did gamble, of course, you know what I mean? But I never gambled outside my means, you know what I mean? I never gambled right. uh, on credit ever, you know what I mean? And I uh, I had a fucking, you know, a fairly easy stay. I mean, the fucking, the COs all loved me, you know what I mean? I fucking stayed cool with them. I never gave them shit. Uh, I had a little, they have, in the minimums in uh, Oklahoma, they have a, uh, everybody, like each unit has like a counselor dude you can go talk to you know what i mean he was cool as shit uh everybody i saw i I had a fucking a fairly easy run at it man because i wasn't a fucking asshole you know what i mean it's one of those things man where if you go in there and you're not a fucking retard you can have a pretty fucking easy stay you know i mean a pretty fucking easy stay yeah i i I agree i actually wrote an article because you know doing what we do and talking about what we talk about we're we're putting ourselves we're kind of painting a target on our own, our own backs. You know, at any point, any one of us could get gay opt. We can, we can get, get thrown to jail for our political speech at any point, you know, and if they can't get something uh, to arrest us on at any point, they could just manufacture something. They could do a, a, a gun thing. You know, nobody here has guns, obviously, but they could just manufacture whatever they want. They could say, you know, they could me to you. Who knows what'll happen? You know, well, they, it's my opinion. No, sorry, not to cut you off, but it's my opinion. They can put shit on your phone. I, yeah. I think it is fully within their ability to put like blueprints to a fucking dirty bomb. <laughs> you know what I mean? In your fucking phone yeah. and get, you know what I mean? I mean, just something absurd like that. You know what I mean? Of course I'm being grandiose, but you know, you know what I mean though? Right. Exactly. And as things get more desperate for the system, as they struggle to kind of maintain status quo, chances of stuff like that happening is going to increase. It can happen to any one of us, even if you're not like doing podcasts, even if you're just the guy who listens to the podcast. Right. So that being said, I did an article about like, if you're ever in that situation and you are in jail, like relax, follow these steps and you'll be okay. And maintaining your composure and not like getting involved in other people's business is like rule number one. It's like, just say no. If people come and offer you help, you just say no. You know, if, if you don't want to get beat up, then just stay out of people's business and just be a straight shooter and you'll be completely fine. It's almost like a survival guide. It was on the hyphen report. Um, but I, I may actually take it and copy it and post it on the Justice Report, which is like the new website we're doing all of our articles on now. But it, it was it, it's it's valuable information because especially because at any time, any one of us get thrown like right into the freaking hole at any point for anything. 
Yeah, real quick, man. I have to speaking of articles and something you said earlier. You're talking about inmates betting on chess. <laughs> I wrote an article to give a buddy of mine, uh, a buddy of mine who is a friend of the show. He goes by the name of Commander Rockwell. He's a huge chess fan, right? And I was giving him shit one time in, in just a private chat, just giving him guff about chess being for niggers. So I wrote an entire article on my experience with chess in prison. And nice. I, I want to tell you, I want to I ask you, I'm sorry, excuse me, I want to ask you if you witnessed the same thing. Prison made me not only extremely racist, but it made me hate chess because, <laughs> I, was beco because I was becoming racist. The place oh, I was at. That's funny you should say that. It's funny that you should say that. I just had a discussion recently with some of my guys um, about the topic of chess came up because we got some chess lovers in, in my group, you know, in, in my you know, intimate friend circle. And uh, I I can't stand chess. Uh, to me, chess is a nigger game. To yes, me, thank you. Basketball. <laughs> and, I know, and I know that it's not. I know that we invented chess and it does have a high prestige. It does require intelligence to play and master. I'm totally cognizant of that. I understand that. But because I spent years watching street blacks play chess badly – and like start fights over like yodels and, and Swiss rolls and stuff over chess. To me, it's permanently scarred, and I cannot look at chess without thinking of like boot lips. It's just impossible. One hundred fucking percent, bro. That was what my article was all about. I mean, it was titled "Chess is for Niggers" because I would sit there and I would be fascinated, brother. I'm not gonna lie. I would sit there and both be fast. It would be like you know, I know this is a cliche uh, metaphor or whatever, but it would be like watching a car crash. I would be both yeah. fascinated and disgusted because these niggers would be like standing on the chairs talking shit like, watch this, nigga. Watch this when I take your king, nigga. Right? And shit like that. And like trash talking. And these fucking niggers would sit there and you would watch them talk like before and after the games. Like there would be a bunch of Negroes around the chess table and they would talk like they were fucking warlords, bro. Like they had yeah. convinced themselves that they were great military strategists. Because they learned how to play this fucking Milton Bradley game. You know what I mean? Like, and it drove me up the fucking wall. And it, it, like you, it made me hate chess. Because like you said, it would be the most rambunctious, absurd fucking coonery you could imagine all behind chess. And it's just fucking, it's wild to see, man. The shit talking and like the slamming of the pieces and just the fucking, <laughs> the whole yeah. show is amazing. Yeah. It's crazy, and it, and it kind of sucks because, like, I'm sure chess is actually really fun if you know all the all the rules and all like the advanced strategies and you know like all oh, the queen's gambit or whatever. But to me, it's like if, if you want to play chess, like we might as well just play like trouble or like operation or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, same thing. or spades. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, that's why. That's why I fucking hey, check this out. That's why I pick. I picked up pinochle. Because Pinochle takes too much brain power for the nigger, right? You have to count too many cards, right? Because in Pinochle, yeah. there's four of each suit and 80 cards, right? So you can't, you know, it's just not, it's not 13, right? So in spades, there's only 13 cards. And as they go, it's real easy to keep up with what's gone. What's gone. So Negroes have, have ruined the game of spades for me as well. So I picked up Pinochle because it's like a, a more intricate version of the of spades, right? Uh, right. But because they, they, they play fucking chess like they play spades like they like they're sitting there and they're like 
putting the card in the other guy's face and then slamming it on the table right in his face and like throwing the card at his chest and like talking all this crazy shit and they do the same shit with chess you know they're like flipping fucking pieces at each other and like all this wild shit it's fucking absurd man <laughs> it's fucking absurd but yeah i wrote an article uh back when uh white tuber used to have a, a a website up called white talk daily and i wrote an article talking about this how chess is fucking for niggers <laughs> i gotta see that article i gotta read that now i sure. still have I, it i have a copy of it i'll send it to you i'll just send you the raw uh, form in in uh telegram <laughs> awesome uh all right guys we're gonna run to break real quick guys i have to go grab a drink and use the restroom i hope you guys have enjoyed the show so far thank you very much jack for being here man it's been a blast talking with you uh real quick before we go to break uh, I want to say thank you to Night Nation. Night Nation says, great guest, Fash. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, Covenant Rev- Remnant. Yeah, Covenant Remnant says, something with Class A CDLs. They are handing out these foreigners' licenses. Uh, I'm glad you said that. I want to um, talk about, not CDLs, but uh, apparently we're going to run out of diesel gas by November 25th. Have you guys heard this? I did hear something like that. I wasn't sure if that was true. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, we'll check that out on the other side of the break. Uh, Falcon, thank you very much, brother. I appreciate you. And Thugga, I think we already got you for that one. Yep. Uh, And Lord Argon, thank you all very much for all the donations. I greatly appreciate it, guys. Thank you all for your support. We are going to go to break, and we will be right back. You're mumbling words, but I can't hear anymore You're totally entertained, but I'm absolutely bored To the sharks with your conversation, see what they say You're thrown overboard and disappearing to the waves Kingdom in the ink black drink Octopus bartenders You can hear the mermaids sing That'll teach you all to try and disobey Here's a one-way ticket to your watery grave And we say to all our enemies We'll see you in hell We're gonna walk them off the plank Into the wishing well Down to David Jones locker Where the fishes sleep Won't be praying for you So don't be praying for me oh, To all our enemies We'll see you in hell We're gonna walk them off the plank Into the wishing well Down to David Jones locker Where the fishes sleep Won't be praying for you So don't be praying, don't be praying for me Kill all those prisoners until their skin turns green Let the salts of the ocean wash the skeleton clean Raise up those oars and let them fall As the wind steady sings you can hear the crew call off To all our enemies we'll see you in hell We're gonna walk them off the plank into the wishing well Down to David Jones locker where the fishes sleep Won't be praying for you so don't be praying for me oh. To all our enemies we'll see you in hell We're gonna walk them off the plank into the wishing well Down to David Jones locker where the fishes sleep Won't be praying for you, so don't be praying, don't be praying for me.
All right, and we are back. I hope you guys enjoyed the break. I hope you guys have been enjoying the show so far. Before we get started, thank you very, very much to Carbon Fiber. It says, thank you for all the work you guys put in. Well, thank you very much for your support, brother. I appreciate it. Guys, soon Carbon Fiber is going to come on the show, and we're going to shoot the shit about uh, racing, drag racing, and, and all that shit. That's what he's into, and you guys know I'm a huge fan of drag racing. So I'm going to have him on and just do a little fun show about some gearhead shit. I'm not much of a gearhead myself, but uh, I like to talk about it anyhow. <laughs> Uh, Spite says Fast Crops is on a Devil Makes Three kick. Second time I've noticed him using the music on break. Uh, I've actually used them. I love Devil Makes Three. Uh, I've used them a couple times throughout the years. That's actually something I was talking to Akila about, guys. I'm actually going to have to uh, get a whole bunch of content together for breaks and intros and stuff over the next week or so because I'm running low and I'm getting to a point where I'm not going to have much original shit left. So I'm trying to get it together for y'all. Thank y'all very much. But yeah, I love the Devil Makes Three. Uh, all right, uh, Jack, Akila, we got you guys, right? Yep. Akila, not so much? Oh, man, yeah, no, I, I was muted. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Jack, so uh, before you got to take off, I know you can't stay much longer. We've already went an hour and a half. I didn't realize that when I asked you if you could do another hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, man. I'm having fun. Time flies. Uh, before, uh, we lose you, I do want to talk about one thing, because it's stuff you kind of talked about a little bit in your book, and it's something that I think is worth talking about from our, uh, perspective of things, and uh, I just want to throw around a little, a few ideas about, around, like, um, and uh, this is shit, right, obviously, that right now, we have no ability to change, but, uh, we're here just having a conversation, and I think it's fun to talk about this shit, so, uh, prison reform and sentence reform, right? That's a big topic in uh, the cultural zeitgeist right now, right? But not in the way we would like it, right? They are trying to let all of these criminals back out on the street. They're trying to manipulate and bastardize statistics. Uh, like, for instance, the other day I was, uh, this was actually a few weeks ago, I was listening to a Joe Rogan show where he had this Jewish guy and some black guy on, and they were talking about... Um, getting out, uh, getting innocent people released, right? And they were talking about the disparities in sentencing and um, marijuana um, arrest, or the, the disparity in arrest on marijuana possessions between blacks and whites. And they openly say in this thing, they're sitting there pissing and moaning and bitching about how much more time blacks get for the same amount of weed and, and all this bullshit. And then they openly say in that, that one guy had, uh, you know, they were talking about a guy who had gotten arrested for weed and had all this time for weed, but he had a prior armed robbery and prior armed robberies and assaults and all these fucking priors. And they openly say shit like, what you did in the past shouldn't reflect on the crime you committed. It's very reminiscent of the double standard we saw in the Daryl Brooks trial, right? So in the Daryl Brooks trial, we saw that they, they, struck, from, they, they struck from the court the ability to bring any of his anti-white shit into evidence, right? Meanwhile, right. any goofy fucking meme that James Fields shared was drug all across the fucking court and the mainstream media and everywhere else to paint him in the worst possible light you could, right? In the same vein, they're doing these things where they're trying to get the, the courts to dismiss these people's prior crimes in order to lower their sentencing guidelines. Because that is where the true disparity lies. And everybody knows it, right? There's no situation where some Negro is getting 100 fucking years for a dime bag of pot and a white guy is getting a slap on the wrist. That's not the way it works. The reason it seems that way is because 
this 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 Negro has 15 fucking prior felonies. Right? This is why he's getting right. 100 years for a dime bag of pot because of the fucking shooting with intent and the trafficking narcotics and the assault on a fucking police officer and the domestic violence and the car theft that he has on his fucking record, right? That's yeah. why he goes away for a long time. And, and, yeah, that, and that is why I think we should have a two-strike policy, right? They, 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 people piss and moan about the, the three-strike policy. I think we should have a two-strike policy because it only took me one fucking time, bro, in a minimum security prison to figure out I will never fucking come back here again. I will never put myself in a position to where this right. is an option ever again. Fuck this, right? Uh, it only took me one time in 26 months, right? That was fucking it. Uh, these people who go back time after time after time after time, they're broken and they're unfixable. And we need to get them out of circulation as quick as possible. I think, personally, that we should force people into uh, almost like um, forced labor and education, right? I think we should force people into some sort of fucking trade. I don't give a fuck if it's how to retread tires or plumb or whatever the fuck. Your first time going to jail, I don't give a fuck if it's for fucking... What I went to jail for, fucking ecstasy or fucking armed robbery. Your first time going to jail, you will do 90% of your sentence if you don't enroll into one of these work programs, right? That provides you with some sort of trade and then job placement on the outside. I do agree with you, brother, on one thing, that the actual college degrees are fucking absurd. And those should be absolutely done away with. These niggers get in there and they take these fucking stupid college courses and then they get some silly, like, fucking, you know, uh, language arts degree. And they write a book. And they become these, like, Tukey Williams. You know Tukey Williams? And, and uh, what's the other one? Larry Hoover, right? Brutal killers. Brutal killers. Before they went to, before they went to prison and during their sentences, brutal murders. Murderers. Write these books and become civil rights heroes and millionaires inside prison, right? Their kids live high on the hog forever. Right, and that shit has to go. But for people who do right uh, go in on their first offense, I think if you give them this chance, right, this one chance, where we're going to put you in this system, we're going to give you the ability to go out and get the fucking work and be a normal human. And if you fuck that up, you're toast. No more. You don't get back out. And then we take these people who we're never going to let out again, and we use them for for labor, right? We put them and, and we make them do jobs that uh, need to be done. Um, road work, shit like that. You know what I mean? And, and that's just what they are. Yep. They are they are a constant slave race from the, or slave people, slave conglomerate from that point on. Yeah, I 100% I, I agree. I think there, there has to be at some level, especially if you're white, like if you're a white inmate, like the reason why you only need one time to realize you never want to go back is because you're white. You know, that's a huge part of it. Um, but you need to have a carrot on the stick in the system. And at, to, to some extent, at least in New York State, they used to have that. There, there's a lot of uh, prisons, at least um, in New York State, that used to operate these big farms, uh, like miles, acres of farmland. Um, all around the jail, they'd have horses and cattle and, you know, 
wheat and hay and all, all this all this kind of harvestable material and inmates would go out and they would actually harvest everything um and then in the jail instead of you know getting this like disgusting slop that comes in a bag for for meals every day they actually used to make to, to harvest the food outside in the farms then on the inside the kitchens they would actually cook it so you would have these like butcheries that would you know it would employ inmates and teach them how to like butcher meat it would teach them how to cook the food uh you the, the, the you would have bakeries where you would they would teach them how to make bread and they would they would make the food um for all the other inmates in the jail and not only was it kind of a self-sufficient system for that facility it was also teaching them actual skills um but what has happened now is uh in, at least in new york state all those things don't exist anymore um because they found cheaper options you know and now they just get like this disgusting slop that they boil in a plastic bag and it feeds like thousands of people um and it's disgusting it's full of soy it's garbage it's called quick chill um but also too it's like there's activists out there that you know push for a very long time to end that practice because it's like oh it's like modern day slavery you know this is part of the prison industrial complex where they're they're using inmates for for labor it's like okay yeah they're doing that but it's creating an ecosystem it's creating a self-sufficient system where, where people are actually learning skills which is much more valuable uh than anything um and that, yeah. that's kind of what we have now but i i agree that we should we should readopt some sort of of uh work system where if you get locked up you do have a way out you know and it is through work it is through sweat um and you should be able to pick something up yeah and 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 that's your chance right in my opinion like this is your chance and after that you have proven that you are uh, an outcast and we're just not going to fucking deal with you anymore we're going to completely take you out of circulation but to to talk or to speak on what you were just saying that was a really cool uh kind of thing to see where I was at. So where I was at, the prison basically um, did all of the, I don't know what you would call it, like uh, auxiliary work for this small town, right? Like there were farmers and, and right. the welding class would build their cattle runs, right? The welding class would weld up all their fucking gates and shit for their cattle runs. Uh, the the engine performance class would work on the local cops cars and shit like that you know what i mean there was like a symbiotic relationship in there where these guys that were learning these trades were actually using those trades to kind of you know help the community a little bit you know what i mean it was it was a crazy thing to see i think all of that is is definitely important um not only does it help the local communities you know, with whatever projects they have going on, road work, you know, et cetera. Um, but again, it, it gives the inmates something to do. It gives them something to strive for. Inmates do like work. Um, they get, when they don't have anything to do, there's no programs, there's no nothing, they actually get bored and they get pissed off. Um, so it's not about like, you know, the, Jews and leftists and stuff like that. They always say, oh, you know, prisoners are being exploited, exploited for their labor. You know, they're, they're not being uh, uh, paid, but it's like that's a mischaracterization of what's going on. You know, that's it's th this is a way to kind of almost repent for, for the sins of, of that crime that was committed. But also the inmate is getting something returned out of it. And they, they completely they obfuscate that on purpose to for their own gains. Yeah, 100 fucking percent.
100%. So, uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about. We're going to get into some of the <laughs> some of the more profane uh parts of 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 prison. I read in your book the story of the grapes. Uh <laughs> <laughs> People still talk to me about people still ask me about the grapes. That was fucking wild man because i seen a lot of really bizarre uh sexual shit uh funny enough in my experience the sexual shit like the real bizarre uh sexually deviant stuff was fairly tame until methamphetamine showed up on the yard so Mm. where i was at methamphetamine would hit the yard in waves right all drugs would but especially this right the only constants there were like pot k2 and uh tobacco right but every now and again bottles of liquor would come through uh methamphetamine fucking morphine pills all kinds of shit you you know all that shit gets in there Uh, but every time methamphetamine came through was when the weird sexual shit i used to call it fag in a bag every time (laughs) it would hit the yard i would say a fag in the bag was there because you would start to see fucking Negroes ducking off into fucking cells together and doing a bunch of fucking weird uh shit with the with the towel up over their window, right? Uh but the grape thing kind of freaked me out. I had never heard of anything like that. I couldn't imagine why that ever would become a thing. But what they did have in Oklahoma that absolutely creeped me the fuck out. And I could not believe that people had such a uh i don't even know were so fucked up so mentally broken that they would mm. do this but they had what they called a fifi have you ever heard of a fifi oh i know all about the fifi <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the most disturbing things you'll ever hear guys um so a fifi is a a rubber glove and a warm towel wrapped up and the rubber glove is inserted into the warm, warm towel and it makes a uh, like a like a, a fleshlight like a pocket pussy and they have guys that specialize in these things and like have found ways to like line them with water <laughs> and all kinds of crazy shit and they sell them <laughs> they sell them as currency right they they make them and sell them yeah it's called a fifi i was wondering uh, if you guys had that up there, because I had never heard of the fucking grape, so I was like, God damn it, <laughs> I thought the Fifi was fucked up, and now we've got grapes. Uh, for people who haven't um read the book, you want to explain what the grapes are? I mean, not really, but but I'll do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a reference. Oh man! Uh, all right, so the grape. I, I don't think that this is something that probably happens everywhere. I think this is something that was unique to the place I was at because um, in, in my jail in one of the areas that I worked um, it was called Baker, Baker block B block and B block has two sides. Um, I, I, it might have changed in the years that I haven't been there, but you know, Baker block had B one and B two and B one was all the close supervision inmates. That's, that's where you had the worst of the worst killers, escape risks. Those are guys that had to be, watched 24 7. so the seals that worked there were kind of like a extra level um above everyone else they they had more guys they had the it was just a really good tight-knit crew there um 
The other side, B2, was the sex offender unit. And in New York State, if you're a sex offender and you want to get out of state prison, you have to complete a sex offender program that's supposed to, like, quote unquote, make you not a sex offender anymore. You know, it's BS. But if you're a sex offender, you have to go through that through that thing. Uh, and the grapes originated out of, out of, you know, I first learned about them because they were being passed around there. Inmates were making them. The grape is essentially like um, a food service glove, like a plastic glove. Uh, but what they would do is they would rip the finger, the fingers off of the glove. And then they would kind of fill up the, the finger uh, pieces of the glove with, with jizz and they would like tie them up. So you'd have like this little like balloon of jizz and then they would, they would like trade them or sell them and stuff to each other. And it was disgusting. And, you know, that is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, that yeah. is worse than murder. <laughs> I think I would rather, <laughs> I think I would rather mop up the blood from a shanking than discover a, a fucking stash of, of cum grapes. <laughs> I just think I would rather yeah. wipe up the fucking guts and brain matter from a brutal murder, then find a stash of cum grapes. That is one of the creepiest fucking things I've ever it's, heard in my fucking life. I hate story. to stay on the subject, but like, why did they trade them? Like, what was the value <laughs> in these things? I mean, listen, I've, I've never seen anyone like use a grape. So I don't know what they do with them, you know, but, but this is a thing. And I think really what it comes down to, you know, one of the things that, probably is a motivator of creating them is that like sex offender inmates they don't have anything they you know because of their crimes they have no families that fill up their commissary they don't get packages they they, they don't have any property they have like just state greens and like if they're lucky they get some bread out of the mess hall in their cell and like that's it so these guys have nothing so making grapes and like trading them with to, with other inmates for for stuff is probably like the only thing that they have it's like okay you know, economically, so these guys have just freaking nothing. So they're resorting to like trading their bodily fluids for like other items. Like that's so like a that. super weird faggot will be interested in some other weird faggots, like fucking old cum. That's insane. Yeah, it's like I'll give you a grape for like oh, locks of your hair or something. You know, just what? like just weird fuck. stuff. They're they're fucked. yeah. That's just it's, so they're just fucked. They're just yeah. Okay, Akeela, I got it. Yeah. bro. This this There's no this. sense in it. I get it. <laughs> Akilah, brother, Sorry. this circle, no, this circles back to when we were talking about Jeffrey Dahmer and why the mm -hmm. cops let that fucking little Chinese boy go back into Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment because homosexuals do weird, demented shit like this, like trade packets of cum for locks of hair. Like I said before, Jeffrey Dahmer was just engaging in normal homosexual behavior. They do weird, fucked up, demented shit like this. Homosexuality is one of the fucking worst mental disorders in the world it is fucking absolutely abhorrent uh speaking of mental uh issues i did want to ask you about this i want to ask you i want to get your opinion on a theory i have sure um when i was locked up i witnessed what i considered one of the biggest efforts to make people mentally fucking ill that i've ever seen in my life they tried to do it to me even, and I fucking turned it down. Uh, so as soon as you hit prison, like, so you go through A&R, right? So in Oklahoma, as soon as you leave county jail, you go to a place called A&R. You stay there for like two weeks, and you run through all these tests and medical shit and all this stuff, and then they send you to where you're going. 
Uh, and as soon as you leave A&R and you touch down, you have another little, like, uh, medical thing, right? They ask you if you're fucking allergic to things, any, you know, pre-existing conditions, all this shit. And every time they ask you if you need, like, psychotropic drugs, right? Are you any, on any mood stabilizers? Do you have trouble sleeping? Is one of the big things they'll ask you. And if you say, yeah, they will put you on some of the strongest, like, fucking tranquilizers yeah, you've ever heard of terrible, in your life. Yeah, they're putting people man. who go in there, maybe, you know, I'm not going to say mentally well, but definitely not as bad as they're going to be after they put them on the psychotropics. Did you did you witness like the over prescription and doling out of psychotropic drugs in yeah. the correctional system? Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah. And and a lot of the inmates just take it. You know, they, they, a lot of these guys are on a daily cocktail. They'll go on the med run. Uh, I've escorted, you know, tons of med runs. You know, in my time during my time as a CO, where you would just have like this mile long. Um, like a line of inmates that just kind of shuffle down to the infirmary and you have the nurse through like a plexiglass window, give them a little Dixie cup of, of pills and they pop them. They, they drink some water and then they go right back to the, uh, to the unit and they're just like zonked out and there's tons and tons and tons of them. And you know, the, the smarter inmates like the bodybuilders and stuff would never touch that stuff. And they would know it was crap. You know, they would know like, okay, if you take that stuff, you're going to be a zombie. They would get like Thorazine. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I remember a few of the inmates would say like, oh man, you see that, see that, see that nigga over there? He's doing the Thorazine shuffle, shuffle. man. Yeah. Thorazine the shuffle. shuffle. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. These guys would just be like, they would literally be like zombies. You know, it's, it's crazy and it, it's, it's no good. So I don't know. I, I don't know what, what they're trying to, to do there by, by giving them this kind of, you know, these cocktails or, or whatnot, but it's definitely a thing that happens. And it, it's just, I don't know. It's, well, it's then, weird. And then the other side of that is, is you get these indigent inmates. And uh, I, one more thing I want to get to speaking of indigent inmates, but I don't want to go, I don't want to derail too far. You get these indigent, indigent inmates who are like surviving off gang pay. And for anybody who doesn't know, gang pay is what they pay inmates uh, every month. You get like, I think it's like five bucks a month or some weird shit like that. I can't remember mm -hmm. what it is. Uh, but these guys that are surviving off gang pay and they go and they they are act they actually need these fucking pills, right? These are actually actual lunatics who are going and trading their actual pills. They cheek them, they hide them, they take them back, they steal them from the, the pill line, and they yeah. go back and they sell their pills for commissary and shit, and then they end up fucking wigging out, right? And fucking flying off the fucking handle. You know what I mean? So it's a very fucking vicious cycle, man. It's a super vicious cycle. And they need to fucking... They, they, what they need to do, brother, honestly, in my opinion, I think something that would tremendously help uh, the situation in both prisons and on the streets is to reopen nut houses. I, right? I agree. I 100% agree. We need to reopen nut houses because some of these people are mentally fucking broke to a, to a severe degree that it will never be... They'll never be rehabilitated, right? They'll, these these people need lifelong supervision, one hundred percent. And and there's a, a I would say I, I listen. I might be being hyperbolic here, but I would say a solid forty percent of the prison system is these kind of people, just absolutely irredeemably fucking bonkers. Yeah, none of this reform stuff happens while Jews are still in in the polity allowed to impact the public space and operate in our markets there, there's no reform or re rehabilitation of, of any of our industries to be had because they interfere and they profit and you know you, you it, it 
part of the lesson I'm getting from listening to you guys is that the setting of benevolent uh, constraints is healthy. And even niggers and, and uh, basically all low agency people benefit from this. And when it's set by people who have the interests of the polity at heart, then, you know, you can obviously natural socialism, it lines up with natural law and you get something healthy. And if you don't do that, you get nothing. And with them here, that's what we get. So. Right. Not a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, it's funny too, because even the current system as it is, it's, I hate it. It's, it's terrible. I think inmates get way are, are treated with kids gloves and they get way too many creature comforts and things like that. Um, but who's to say that a system like the current one wouldn't work if there wasn't like racial foreigners in the prisons? You know what I mean? If all the prisoners were full of like white men, um, who knows? Maybe giving them PS4 and Doritos and stuff is a way that you could potentially rehabilitate white people. We would just never know. We would never be able to run that social experiment until we have like a super majority white, uh, you know, land again. Um, but as it is, uh, yeah, no, it's it's got to go. We got to tamper down on a lot of this nonsense. Yeah, and it's 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 really interesting to think about. It's it, I think it's. I don't know how I want to say this. Um, I wish you would have had the experience of working in the, in a prison like the one I was in, where there was a fairly large contingent of white inmates. Because in my opinion, although I, I, I do see how your experience made you extremely racially aware, I think the contrast of the behavior and the morale and the physical appearance of the white inmates versus the rest of the races. Except I will say we all say this, the Native Americans, the Indians kind of kept their shit together pretty well too. But up against the, the blacks and the Mexicans, seeing the white inmates behavior, their very skewed way of sticking to some like fucked up set of like I would say like principles or ethics, surely it's fuck not morals. Right. Uh, you actually you actually made a pretty good in your book you were talking about how uh, the one uh, guard had made this guy lock down and he didn't have a shower. And like the, the moral thing to do was to let the motherfucker have a shower. But the ethical thing to do was to back your boy up. Right. That whole thing. Right. Uh, that kind of conflict you see repeat itself so many fucking times in the inmate population. It's fucking insane where these people have these weird fucking uh, codes of like ethics and principles that are immoral as fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're just absolutely <laughs> brutal and immoral as fuck, but it's like this ethic that they live by. Uh but um shit, what was I going where was I going with that? Now I forgot what I was talking about. What were we talking about, Akiva? You had um I was enthralled. I, I... <laughs> I'm on I'm on my back foot because I'm listening to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about ethical and moral moral dilemmas. Well, yeah. yeah, I think you had started out talking about uh, Jack Jack's experience uh, in a prison with uh, more blacks. Oh yes, than oh yes, oh yes, okay, yes, exactly. Yeah, seeing, right. yes, yeah, seeing, but seeing the way that whites were obviously more more moral, upstanding, better behaved juxtaposed to blacks that were like 100% chimping out. I mean, they're the ones fucking all night being loud as fuck in their cells, red lighting, stinking the fucking unit up like fucking pot every fucking night. You know what I mean? 
They're unruly. They're fucking loud. They're just absurd, right? And seeing their behavior and their just overall racial disposition up against whites of the same criminal cloth, right? Is that Does that make but, sense, right? Of the same social yeah. circle, right? Seeing those two things slammed up against each other was a, a huge eye-opener for me, right? Because it was... And you know, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I no go ahead, please. Uh, I was going to say, people don't understand... You know, right now, all all in our sphere, the big news right now was was for the for the longest time the, the Daryl Brooks trial. Brooks was going up into that courtroom every single day, acting like an entitled, disgusting, hooting and hollering, just straight up monkey. This this Daryl Brooks, despite the fact that he killed all those white people, he injured all those children and those those grannies. People don't realize that when you're in a maximum security prison, every black guy is just like Daryl Brooks. Yes. Every black prisoner is a Daryl Brooks. He is not unique. I've seen I've seen tons of those guys. Daryl Brooks is going to go away for the rest of his life, and guess what? He's going to act that same way. The way he treated that judge in Waukesha, he's going to treat every CO in that same manner. He's going to treat every social worker who's working his case. He's going to treat every nurse. Everyone who he interacts with in the prison system until the day he dies, he's going to act the same way as he did in that courtroom. And it's not just him. It's all of them. It's just how it is, you know. And once people realize that, and it, it, some people will never realize that because they're, they're never working in a place like prison where it's just so obvious and so in your face. And you can't help but, but engage with that reality. Um, it... it those black criminals, the repeat offenders, stuff like that, they're all just like Dower Brooks. Dower Brooks is not unique. No, he's yeah. not. He's not unique. And the biggest travesty of the Daryl Brooks trial, in my opinion, is the fact that we can't execute this fucking piece of shit expediently, no. expediently, or however the fuck you say, quickly, right? Quickly. Because here's the problem. Because of exactly what you just said, brother, he's going to go into prison and be top nigger. He is going to go yeah. into prison. He's going to live like a king. These fucking whores will send him nudes. They'll send him money. They'll fucking get. They'll set up his fucking little drug drops, and he'll he'll be he will live like a fucking king between Jews, black power movements, and fucking sluts. This nigger will go in there, and he will live like a king. He will be a celebrity in prison because all of his Negro buddies are going to be enthralled that the great white killer is the the great killer of whites is here. Right there, he's going to be celebrated. He will not be scoffed at for killing white children. He won't be. He will not be. He will live like a king in prison. And that's the true travesty, in my opinion, of this whole thing, is the fact that he is going to go on and live a great life. Because being in prison doesn't affect these, these monsters uh, mentally the way it does, like, like it did me. Right? It do, it's not going to affect him in that way. He's going to go in there and fall right into the fucking flow of things and live like a king. Yeah, they have a very limited and narrow and primitive cognition. You know, speaking of what Jack was saying, like if you if imagine there was some sort of reason that a woman like that judge was in a room alone with somebody like Daryl Brooks with no supervision and had to like leverage authority over it. How long do you think it would take before he physically attacked her? Five seconds, ten seconds? Not long. Not, right? yeah. not even right so so it, i think it's like it, it, when you're talking to people and anybody who's seen that trial say that to them because it really quickly makes them understand oh shit like this person is wildly violent 
And then like when you also understand that this is sort of the norm for this tier of nigger, which is like, you know, these are the, this is the offending tier, right? Then you realize what's out there. And when you send your children out in public, what's out in that space around them, right? So we're not safe. Like people, regular people that, 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 that don't have an internalized the reality of the situation don't realize that we're not safe and it sucks to try to make them feel unsafe. Maybe you save it for, 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 for grown men, you know, don't, maybe don't do that to a woman, you know, but it, it, it it's something that, that we need to try to do to highlight uh, the urgency of the situation because people, people are sitting back as if it's safe and it's not. Yeah. And, and to what, to what John was saying, um, yeah, I saw, you know, after after Brooks got sentenced, everyone was like kind of celebrating. And, you know, it's good. You know, I, I think people should, you know, applaud, you know, uh, get some closure out of that, that this guy is not going to be on the streets anymore. Um, but I was seeing comments like, oh, Daryl Brooks, he's going to get taken care of in prison. He ain't going to last long because he killed kids. You know, they're going to get him. And I, I start laughing because I'm, I'm saying, no, he's not. <laughs> exactly. He's, yeah. he's a high profile inmate. But like black blacks in jail love high profile inmates you know as long as you're not like a like a child molester or anything like that and you're high profile you're gonna get free stuff you know you're gonna get like bags of fritos on your on like your your mattress you know Dower brooks is gonna live like you said like a king uh he's gonna be he's gonna be top gorilla in the in the cage and the people of waukesha and you know, to a greater extent, the, the white race as a whole is is never going to get justice by him being in prison for life. It's just not happening. And and if and if you have this idea in your head that Brooks is going to like get taken care of or some or some hero behind bars is going to is going to get him, I think the chance of that is not zero. But I I don't I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the odds of that happening is very very slim. In fact, I think he will be celebrated. Yeah, because people don't understand the way uh, prison politics works. For one, blacks in prison are hyper-racial. They fucking hate white people. White people are the enemy. White people are the ones keeping them in captivity. The whites on the yard are their enemy. They fucking hate white people. Every nigger in prison is a black power nigger, 100%. They will rejoice at the crimes that Daryl Brooks committed, 100 fucking percent, absolutely. And also, what people have to understand is there's really not a lot of room for some great Aryan soldier to run in and stab this man when he gets to the yard because that's not the way prison politics works, right? A white guy just can't run up and stab a nigger without starting a huge fucking problem on that yard, right? Right. That's just not the way it works. A white guy just can't run up and stab some Negro without starting a potentially starting a full-on race riot. If not a pretty big gang war between whites and, and blacks. Like yeah, that's just, you have to have basically permission from another race, and basically they'll they'll clean up their own mess. It doesn't really go down like that, man, especially not in high-profile prisons. I, I would say, you know, we, we kind of have the, the expert analysis on prison here on, on, on this team, which is, which is good. But I, I would say that if you were like a white guy in prison and you were doing life and you decided – you know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take out Dow Brooks, you know, because this is all hypothetical, of course. I'm just thinking like in my experience working in jail, how that would work. I, I would say if you were a white guy who was planning to do something, you know, crazy like that, you would have to be willing to sacrifice yourself. You'd have to like be under the understanding you probably were gonna 
be killed yourself. Uh, yep. Someone was going to take you out. Yeah. Be a kamikaze <laughs> mission, 100%. Yeah. 100 fucking percent. Absolutely. Uh, and one more thing before before you got to get out. I know you got to get out of here pretty quick. We've been going right at two hours now. Before you get out of here, brother, I want to ask you one more thing, man. Uh, this was something that really, and this is kind of related to what we're talking about here and the way people have a mis- misconception of the way things work inside of a prison. Uh, it was my experience that um, pedophiles in the correction system were protected. Right in Oklahoma, if you attack a, and kick the shit out of a pedophile, and they can prove that you did it because of their crimes, they will give you a hate crime charge. Oh, in wow. Oklahoma, they protect pedophiles in Oklahoma. You're like everybody has this idea, like oh he he touched kids, they're gonna stab him up when he gets into prison. Not here, not fucking here, buddy. Here they protect those fucking worms, and they're mostly fucking Jewish, and you will get a hate crime charge. If you touch with the uh, hair on their fucking head, I did notice here in New York we have a lot of Orthodox, like Hasidic Jews and stuff. And in uh, like like I was talking about before, you have that Baker unit I was working at B two with all the sex offenders. There were a lot of Orthodox Jews that would come like a revolving door through that that um, program, like over and over again. Even the same faces. We had one Hasidic Jewish guy who was there. In the short span, I was a CO. I worked there five years. He must have like came got into the unit and got released and come back to the unit again after getting picked up for doing stuff maybe three times, four times. Um, but yeah, no, they, they would always be sequestered in, in the sex offender unit. Um, and although I never heard any of them getting a hate crime before, that's pretty crazy. Like if you attacked one, yeah, no, I never heard that. Yeah. That's the way it is here. And, and the funny thing uh, about uh, you say they were Hasidic Jews up there in New York, I, we don't. I don't think we have a lot of Hasids here, but you could tell uh, the the um, physiognomy of some of these people that they were one hundred percent Jewish. And the funniest thing about this, check this out: the other, uh, you know, rapos and people with questionable questionable charges, child molesters, rapists, things like that, that were like uh, Mexican and black and white and shit. I shit you not, dude. They were uh, they were a little club of what they called messianic Christians. The leader guy would wear a fucking yarmulke and the weird fucking little robe thing, the little towel that they wear, and they would go out and they would blow the stupid fucking horn. But they said they were Christians, and it was all sex offenders. One hundred percent of this little messianic Christian group that wow. they had in there was all That's sex cool. offenders. So even the ones who weren't ethnically Jewish. We're still into like Jewish religious shit, right? <laughs> They're into like really hardcore, like because Messianic uh, Christians are like people who follow the Torah but believe Jesus was like a thing, right? They don't hate Jesus. It's like a really bizarre, fucked up, uh, schizophrenic form of Christianity and Judaism. So yeah, even they were, uh, even the ones who weren't ethnically Jewish were like into this weird Messianic Christian thing. And there was like a fat black dude that were like fucking weird, like fucking thick you know those thick prison issued fucking spectacles yeah. he wore them there was a fucking weird scurvy mexican uh the little <laughs> head guy the little head guy was uh, a fucking white guy and he wore his stupid little yarmulke and his towel and he had a horn that they let him go and blow and all this shit yeah even the non-ethnically jewish sex offenders pretended to be jewish in prison <laughs> there was um, <laughs> yeah they had <laughs> 
in New, in New York State, you you know they had like I was talking about before about those approved groups. Like, well, like if you were if you were Jewish, you you could go to like the the Jewish temple service and all that. And uh, they you have to the state abided by all of the Jewish holidays, even like the crazy obscure ones. And there's that one Jewish holiday like uh, Sukkot or like it's called people call it Sukkot because it sounds funny, but it's like yeah. Su- Sukkot or su- Sukkot <laughs> or something like that. And basically during that holiday, Jews are supposed to go outside and eat under like this little like hut. Um, so we called it the corn hut, but the state actually like would erect in the yard this like f- feast hut that all the Jews got to like get escorted out to the yard at night to go eat their their dinner meal. Um, and it was all like Hasidic Jews and stuff, but there was one black guy who decided to to, <laughs> to convert <laughs> to For the diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, but he would come out there and have like the yarmulke on and stuff. And, uh, you know, you didn't have to participate in that holiday if you were a Jew, but like, and there was a lot of black inmates that were Jewish just to get the food. But this guy took it like one step like further and he actually walked out to like the, the corn hut and shit. It was really funny. Yeah, that, you've seen that a bunch. So, in, in the Oklahoma system, there's two different. You can either get the kosher or the halal meals, right? So there's like an Arab and a Jewish meal, and everybody would try to get on those fucking diets as well. It was fucking, it was fucking hilarious, uh, seeing all these fucking people convert to these weird religions to get like frozen. Like it was just like TV dinners, right? At least where I was at, like that's what they would give them. Like they would get yeah. like these weird ethnic like tv dinners right as opposed to the actual state meal so yeah. you guys, you guys ever see uh, any like dot indians or chinks in prison i like, I, I was at a work center i was at a work center which is like a work release right it's like a real local security thing like a right before you get out with with an asian man i don't think he was chinese he was some sort of oklahoma has a huge fucking population of these like Laotians and Mongs and Cambodians and Southeast Asians. So he was one of those kind of guys. But just right, right. And he ran with the Mexicans. <laughs> oh, it was fucking funny. Yeah, he ran with the Mexicans. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure. Oh, shit. Dude, guys, hold on one second, real quick. Dude, Finkelstein, I'm sorry. I just saw that. Uh,. Finkelstein with a huge donation. Thank you very much, brother. And Americana. Dude, what's up, guys? How are you doing? Uh, Americana, thank you very much. He says, Fashcroft is based. Fashcroft for president. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate it, brother. Uh, Finkelstein, thank you very much, brother. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, they call me perp. Says, genuinely believe if you knew what niggers were before the age of 14, you've been traumatized and we're going to need to seek help before we continue the conversation. <laughs> uh thank you very much they call me perp uh the open road thank you very much i appreciate it. he says people are starting to read the great replacement by brenton tarrant like where did you hear that is that like a thing or our guys have been reading that it's like a thing that's going around in normie circles now that would be fucking hilarious uh but yeah guys in our backstage too i think all right well uh let's bring night nation in real quick and then uh, i know jack's got to get on oh no he's gone Oh. Sorry, Night Nation. I'm sure he's about to go live. Night Nation's about to go live here in 10 yeah. minutes. So let's go ahead. And uh, Brother Jack, man, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. I would love to have you back on again. It's been a great, great, great conversation, brother. Please tell everybody what you got going on. Your, your, anything. Like, do do your... Uh, yeah. Anything. Yeah. Hey, th- th- thanks for having me on, man. I always have fun on the podcast. Um, 
you can check me out right now. I'm, I'm doing articles for the Justice Report. Uh, we're, we're breaking a lot of, uh, of, of stories, um, incidences. We're covering incidences of, uh, of, of any white, you know, hate. Uh, we cover black violence. I'm sure you heard or seen articles get uh, mentioned and, and passed around over Telegram and things like that. Um, we're doing stuff over there. Uh, I have a book, Living the Dream. Um, it's about my experience as a correctional officer in New York State. Um, a lot of the stories we talked about tonight are in that book. So if you want more details, you can pick it up at Antelope Hill. Um, and yeah, uh, again, that, thanks for thanks for having me on. No, brother, thank you very much for coming on. And guys, please go buy Jack's book. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, and it's it's. I I don't want this to sound like an insult. I don't think it is, but in case anybody like hates this author, it reminded me of a James Patterson book. I read I read a lot of James Patterson in jail, and not like that it was like some weird like uh, you know mystery novel, but the way it like the pages kept turning and the chapters seemed like they flew by. So the way James Patterson writes, he writes in like these short, quick chapters that keep you like engaged. I don't know, it's strange, but that's the way it felt to me. It, the book kept me engaged and it's funny and it's got a lot of, um, uh, it, can, it, it, it uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It confirms a lot of biases, right? A lot of things you felt you knew about the system. It confirms them as far as like, uh, the way they put you through that brutal, like basically diversity and inclusion gulag, right? At the beginning, right? Teaching you to not be racist and not no. say racist and mean things and treat these fucking brutal animals with kid gloves. And it's just like one big HR browbeating, right? And and how that clogs up the system and the way the unions don't work, right? They're full of corruption and, and braggadocious fucking hot air blowing and uh, very little... Uh, action for the actual workers. Just a lot of really good, uh, interesting information, and it's also fucking hilarious to to just read about the absurdity of prison. So definitely go get that book from Antelope Hill. Uh, the great fucking books over there. Borzoi's book, uh, Cultured Grugs, is great. Uh, I also have Spectre's book. It's fucking great. I'm gonna try to get him on soon to talk about that. That is an extremely important book to read. And also, uh, there's just a ton of good uh, books over there at Antelope Hill. Go give those guys a ch check them out. They got Scott Howard's books over there, uh, old uh, retranslated books from like Leon de Grell and shit, just a bunch of amazing shit. Hitler in his own words, I think, is over there. It's a bunch of great books, so go check out Antelope Hill for sure, man. Uh, Brother Akili, you got anything you want to say? Um, you can catch me at National Socialist Fitness Club on Telegram. Uh, you can find a link in the... Um bio there where uh, all the proceeds are going to uh, our brother uh, Sarge uh, who's uh, hard up a little bit right now on some charges so uh, also Physique Friday um, Telegram and Odyssey the Odyssey the paywall uh, goes to Sarge too so uh, check that out everybody and that's about it um, Jack uh, amazing to be here man an honor absolute honor like, hey no that, it, good to say. meet you and thanks for the, all the uh, compliments about the book I want to do another one soon but you know, materials kind of light after not working there anymore. So you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. You guys have a good night, man. Had a lot of fun. Take care, brother. God bless. Man. Yep. Yes. All right, guys. Uh, so, yeah, there's Brother Jack McCracken, man. Uh, great, great fucking guest. Awesome, dude. I can't wait to have him back on. Next time we have him on, we'll have to have him come on and we'll shit post, right? I just really wanted to talk about that book and, and some of that stuff about the prison system because it's interesting shit. 
And it's the first time I've ever got to talk to a CEO right, on this side of the thing, on this side of things, right? And be his friend. But I mean, you know, when I was locked up, uh, not that I was a fucking CEO's friend, because nobody's friends with the cops in prison, right? Like there is a understanding, even amongst the guards, right? They're not your fucking friend and you're not their fucking friend, right? Uh, but you can still have a cordial relationship with these people, right? So they don't make your life hell, right? That's why I had a fucking easy time, right? When mandatory uh, shakedowns came like they one time like they every year they have what they call institutional where they drag everybody out of the fucking units onto the fucking softball field and they shake the whole fucking unit down and you know mm -hmm. once a month uh, once a month or so they'll come through and just rack everybody out uh i always got shit taken you know, they didn't they didn't take away my silly shit that i wasn't supposed to have like i had a little fucking what we call a salt water lighter i had run some copper wire through this metal or i'm sorry this wooden block and uh you know, it has like little arms and a, a spring for an antenna and you put it, plug it into the wall and put a cup of salt water underneath it and it would heat up that fucking uh, spring and make a little lighter, right? They never took that shit from me. Uh, they let me ride on all that shit, right? Because I was, I was cool, right? I didn't fuck with them. I never caused problems. I didn't give them shit. Did what the fuck I was supposed to do. Joked around with them. Shit like that, you know what I mean? Uh, so I always had a cordial relationship with, with the COs. But this is the first time I've ever got to like shoot the shit with one on a normal basis for a long time that's pretty cool i think the audience uh, i think the chat definitely enjoyed it man uh i was i was riveted i didn't even want to talk like it was it was great back and forth yeah i know it was, uh, yeah very very quality yeah I'm, I, we met and hung out a bit uh like we went and had breakfast and we hung out quite a bit at njp but you know at njp you don't want to be talking about your time in prison <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean there's other things to talk about you know what i mean yeah. so we didn't really broach that topic much, if you know what I mean. Uh, no, before, and also when we have Jack back, it'll be great to talk about some of his work at uh, Justice Report right now because he's really doing some awesome uh, journalism over there, ta uh, dealing with a lot of tough subjects and stuff really well. Outstanding so, yeah. journalism, and it really sucks we didn't get a chance to get to that. But the conversation, I wanted to get to those two stories, but the conversation was going so well. It just it, oh yeah, it, no, no, it's, it gives us a reason to have him back, man. 100%, 100%. And guys, before we go, man, I want y'all to check out the new new uh, shirts up in the store. We got uh, some Christmas ornaments for your tree for this year, a little Christmas sweater for your Christmas parties, man, and just some regular ones. I've also got a new one with the fascies I'm going to put out this weekend. So go check those out, man. Give, uh, give one a buy if you like them. I'd greatly appreciate it, man. But other than that, guys, thank you all very, very fucking much for all the support. I greatly appreciate that, guys. Uh, looks like we had some more coming through. Uh, Thug of the Goat says, buy Jack's book. Seriously, go buy Jack's book. It's really fucking good. It's really, really good. Uh, and he says, hey, Night Nation Radio uh, Review beat me. Uh, thank you very much, brother. I greatly appreciate it, man. Um, other than that, guys, go visit americonor.org. Uh, like I said last night, and like I'm going to tell you every night, Gordon has done a great job over there. There is a fucking slew of amazing shows over there. And Gordon's a great guy, man. He deserves your support, man. Uh, so definitely go give Americana a follow. I will actually grab a link to Americana and throw it in the chat so everybody can have it. Uh, I will be uploading the Aryan Slaughter Pods episode, I think, this weekend. Uh, if not, if I already got that one up, it'll be another one. But I'll be uploading one of the old replays in audio form on Americana on Sunday, which I actually think I'm going to end or uh, change my uh, release date because I'm releasing right on top of 
Godcast, and I don't want to do that. So okay, yeah. Also, you guys can check out uh, Physique Friday over there at americaner.org now. Yeah, dude, it's just it's, it's quickly becoming like the premier site for uh, dissident content. Uh, not to throw, you know, uh, say anything because it's better than TRS or anything, but like the, those two right there, they're powerhouses. I mean, I don't see you. You don't have to go anywhere else with those two places, right? Uh, TRS yeah. is always TRS is always going to have those those staples, right? Like the fucking the Daily Show, Fashionation, the Third Rail, like those things are they're uh, monuments in this thing. They're not going anywhere, right? So those yeah, are you're not really finding that that particular type of content too much on Americana either. There's a yeah. lot more diverse. It's, diversity, you know, diversity yeah, is our yeah. strength. Versatile. Yeah, it's more diversity. versatile over there. Diversity is the strength of Americana. Yeah, all kinds of fucking things to to wet your or quench your appetite, right? There's sports shit. There's fucking uh. This time the multiverse, I think, is like about games and shit. And Magnus does that, and he's a fucking sharp ass dude. Yeah, uh, he's smart. You've got the health and fitness shit with you guys. You've got uh, the boxing and MMA shit with Nate. You've got yep. the, the schizo shit with my show and fucking ascending the spectrum. You've got crazy nigger shit with my show. You've got good, like uh, astute, uh, like Midwest news roundups on Action Americana with Gordon, just fucking uh, great deep dives on historical figures on great men of our history. Uh, then you've got fucking Godcast God and fucking uh, Full House. You know what I mean? It's just like, holy shit. Great yeah. fucking network, man. Definitely go give them a follow. Definitely worth it, man. And, and Gordon deserves it. Guys, thank you all very, very much for being here tonight. Thank you very, very much for all the support. And as always, Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. One people, one struggle. God bless y'all family. Oh. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. Real quick, I'm sorry, Finkelstein, brother. I am sorry. I'm gonna bring this back, and I'm gonna play your video, brother. I am very sorry, man. Uh, you uh, gave me that to do that, and I almost forgot, brother. But we are gonna play your video, Finkelstein. Night Nation. I'm sorry, brother, but we are gonna play Fink's video before we get out of here. Uh, I, I think he deserves it for that big ass. Uh, don't know. So we are gonna play Finkelstein's video real quick, guys. I'm sorry. I feel like I, I should. I feel like it's the right thing to do. Sorry about. Uh, I'm sorry I forgot about that. Uh, Fink, brother. I, I didn't mean to to bail on you like that. Here we go. And this is a funny ass video too. 
kind of hard at the end, but hey, Finkelstein's a hard bastard, right? Finkelstein's a hard fucking bastard. Make all this noise Cold people hearted. deserve. Quiet, nigga. I know what I'm talking about. I grew up in, in Brooklyn. Flatbush Avenue, nigga. I grew up doing the same shit, but I could do head spins, nigga. Get the fuck out of here. You're nothing. Ain't gonna be nothing. I opened up for Tupac, NWA, you know what I mean? Now get the fuck out of here, What's man. Up, brother? I had enough of your shit, hey, you understand? Yes, sir, I'm sorry, man. And man, niggas bad in this motherfucking neighborhood, man. I'm just trying to get paid. Know what I'm saying? My name is Tyrone. I like to rap. God damn it, Finkelstein. <laughs> well, it's been nice streaming here on Odyssey, guys. <laughs> Finkelstein's fucking brutal video uh, brought it all to a fucking halt. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I don't have visuals. I feel like I'm happy that. Oh, I'm sorry, brother, here. Oh. Uh, no, no, don't apologize. <laughs> I got sensitive. I'm sensitive, you know? Okay, I'll get there. I'll get there. If you if you close this shit after after like once you stop the stream, does the chat still work? I'm a boomer. I don't know how to do things. What? Like if you close the stream, like if we stop streaming, does the chat still still up on Odyssey? We're not. We're still streaming, brother. I didn't stop streaming. So yeah, the chat. No, still but that's up. what I'm saying. So the chat will still be up. But it, like when we say goodbye. You guys are gonna wait for me. You guys are gonna wait for me to go find that shit. You're very patient people. Hold up. <laughs> Thank you all very much for being here, guys. I really appreciate all the support. Uh oh, Mel says it's Flame Ranbot. It's a video he had and now Fink is obsessed with it. It is it's something else. That is a it's a video for sure. <laughs> I'm a pretty rough motherfucker, man. When you got me, Winston, you've you've accomplished something. So I mean, fucking salute to fucking Fink for for making a fucking Fastcroft Wince. Jesus fucking Christ, man. <laughs> Thank you very much, Thugger. Uh, hey, old brother. Thank you all very much for being here, guys. One people, one struggle. God bless y'all, family. Fuck.
Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. Face 